Hewlett. You're listening to Garage Hammer, episode 102. On tonight's episode, the Manglings talk about the analytical right half of the brain with tournaments and whatnot, and then the creative left half with their painting. <laughs> like those Manglings have a full brain between them. <laughs> now shut it! I'm listening to me show! Welcome to the Garage, you tools. For the next three hours or thereabouts, we're going to do the best we can to inform, entertain, and perhaps have a laugh or two along the way. Bringing you Wars of Vengeance, Beards, and super obscure movie character references that this co-host will never guess. I'm your friendly ringer, Chris Yu. And I'm Danny Parker. Or am I Tom Van Allen? You're not going to get that one. So... (laughs) (laughs) I told you, I'm not going to get it. All right. So, um, last episode, I was Fresno Bob, which is a which is a um, harder to find uh, reference. I, you know what? I thought people people would get that one more quickly, and I guess I apologize for that one. So, who who was Fresno Bob? All right. Like I said, I thought everyone would get this. This is the one that Christopher and I used to always joke about. It's from Escape from New York. Um, have you ever seen Escape from New York? Like once. Jeez, oh, come on. <laughs> All right. Kurt when, Russell, when did the movie come out? Uh, 85 or 86. Oh, it was even earlier than that. It had to be like 81. Yeah, but I was about... Six. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't see it when it came out. I saw it when I was old enough to see it. It's just another one of those... But, but did you rent it? or? Oh, yeah. And I own the DVD. Uh, when Snake Plissken, who is played by Kurt Russell, gets captured, he or he going through New York, he finds... Brain, who is played by Harry Dean Stanton, and uh, Brain's and he sees him there. He's like, his name is Harold, and he's Harold. He's like, yeah, Harold. He's like, he's like, you know, you totally screwed us over. Remember on that last job when you ditched us, you, me, Fresno Bob, and Christopher. And I was like, what the hell kind of nickname is Fresno Bob? That is like the worst. Like, if you were ever going to get get hung with a like a criminal nickname, Fresno Bob is just about the worst one you could get. Get. No offense to anyone who lives in Fresno. Well, but, yeah, if you're from Fresno and your name's Robert, then yeah, still, so that's a layup. Like, I mean, but compared to guys like Brain and Snake Plissken, and then I'm Fresno Bob, it just always seemed yeah, like... Not, not every nickname is going to be a cool one. I guess not. <laughs> so congratulations to Jersey General, who didn't get that one. That one just came in, and he posted that one on the thread uh, just literally like two days ago, so... That one almost, I didn't think I was going to get that one. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm picking uh, movies that I really like that maybe lots of people haven't seen. So it's also like, you know, kind of a recommendation. So next episode, you'll find out who did. Yeah, go easy on us and, you know, at least give us something that maybe some someone out there would have a better chance of guessing. At least me. I will. I'll go a little easier next time. But this one is a good one. Danny Parker slash Tom Van Allen. So there's a little hint. Hmm. So, All right. That's a great movie, by the way. It's a, I'll tell you guys on episode 103 who that one is. So, outside of my stupid little Chad Hansen-inspired game here, um, we can uh, probably should stop and take a moment to thank our sponsors. Yes. Are any of them from Fresno? Let's find out. Unique <laughs> and Games in where? Gray's Lake, Illinois. Mierce Miniatures. And how's that spelled? M-I-E-R-C-E Miniatures. Mantic Games. Building and, bigger armies. And finally, 
battle foam protecting your army. There you go. <laughs> so thank you, sponsors. Yes, very much. So how you been? I've been good. How about you? Surviving. Summer's coming to a close. School is starting pretty soon. And especially for you, since you actually work in the schools. Yeah, I know. And do nothing that I wanted to get done this summer got done. Mm-hmm. I didn't get an army painted. I didn't get my floors finished. I didn't finish. In fact, my father-in-law's coming over Monday and Tuesday, and we're totally gutting and redoing the garage. So at least that'll be done mm-hmm. before winter. Okay. So Sounds it's like been a hectic. busy time then. A lot of DIY that I plan on getting done in the house that I did not Do got done type of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. but um, very excited for this episode. We've got a lot going on. Um, going to talk some tournament stuff in the first half. Yeah. And then switching over to painting and uh, hobby for the second half. A little right brain, left brain activity. Oh, here. yeah. I see what you did there. Yeah, <laughs> You can see I'm going back to school talking about which side of the brain you were using here. So. Very nice. Okay, so um, shout-outs. Um, oh, we did get one from a gentleman named Joe Larson. Hey, hey, guys, I'm starting to get back into the game after eight years away, and I love listening to your podcast. You should pass it on to your sponsors that I've been using Chaos Orc Superstore, thanks to your endorsement, to pick up my new models. So, Excellent. And did you hear, what was it, um, Chris Tomlin uh, kept hearing about them on our show, and he used them too. Oh, Nice. Yeah, so I was international like, exposure there. That's cool. Exactly that that made me happy when when uh, when you're getting or, or you or since it was Chris Tomlin that uh, made the purchase, you should say that you're chuffed. Oh, I'm dead chuffed. <laughs> yeah, and guess what? We've gotten several, and I mean more than two voicemails. <laughs> Ooh, I yes. like it. Let's. Uh... Cue them up and play them. Yes, yes. And if you would like to be a part of the show, possibly, and get on our voicemails, you can call us at 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. That's 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. International callers, for most countries, it's 001-757-GH-SHOW-6 or 441-4696. So let's go through these here. First things first. Hold on. Setting it up right now. Hey, Garage Hammer. It's Pat at Gamers, and I wanted to give you a call and invite you guys to come out and see us at Indie WarCon 2014. It's at the Indianapolis Marriott East on September 12th through the 14th. Um, We're going to have lots of stuff out there, including 40K, Warhammer Fantasy, um, Star Trek, Star Wars, All Quiet on the Martian Front, War Machine Hordes. I've uh, got a lot of things going on. You can call our store for more information, 317-865-1500. Um, or you can check us out at our website, which is IndieGamers.com. Thanks so much. Bye. So Pat, oh, a lot going on there. Yeah, no kidding, huh? I got that call. I was like, wow, that's kind of all sorts of awesome. So IndieGamerCon, they're just going to have uh, apparently everything going on there so pretty much yeah it's a, it's a full tilt convention there yeah exactly so uh we've got two more that uh are also pretty good uh you you'll 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 recognize this character in our next call chris hey white tech and you mark cox we're out there at the uh qcr getting ready to throw down some dice just figured i'd call and tell you midwest guys what's up um 
We're drinking for four or five more hours, and then we're going to play some uh, Warhammer the next day. Nice and hungover in the way it should be played. Love you guys. We'll see you guys later. Bye. Oh, what a nice message for Mark. <laughs> four or five more hours of drinking, and then we're right. going to throw some dice. Good and hungover rough life. the way it should be played. It's a rough life, huh? Dear Lord. <laughs> a little, I'm a little jealous. That's that's living. Yeah, no kidding, huh? All right. I'll get this last one in. We got a third voicemail. This one actually just came in like two hours before we uh, got Ooh, on the mic here. press. So <laughs> exactly. So here we go. Third one. Hey, I just want to say you guys have an awesome podcast. Uh, I'm a huge GW fan. I love 40K. Uh, I like the fact you guys talk about a bunch of different games. My name's Jesse. I live in Charleston, West Virginia, and I start my student teaching next week. So it's cool to hear a teacher who's gaming and who loves what he does. Just keep doing what you guys do, and I'll keep listening. Thanks. Bye. And there cool. we Thanks, go. Jesse. Trifecta of calls uh, from every angle. A guy who's out there likes playing, another teacher, uh, a call from our friend Mark, well, as he was prepping for his tournament, so to speak. Right. Yeah, tournament uh, veteran. And then an invitation from Pat, who, from, uh, from, uh, from Indy The organizer side. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, those uh, nice little trifecta of calls there. So thank Very you nice. to everyone who called in. And uh, like I said, we gave the number so you too can call in. And be part of the show. Yeah, don't sit on the sidelines. Get involved. Give us a call and tell us what you think. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so you know what? We should probably take a break and come back with uh, news and rumors. That sounds like a plan. Hey folks, it's Dave, and I wanted to talk to you for a minute about Battle Foam. You've all heard me talk about it before. The foam is firm, it doesn't separate from the base, they custom cut, design, make any piece of foam you want to fit any model you want. Anytime a new army comes out, within days, you've got Battle Foam cut and designed to fit those models. This isn't a game company making cases on the side. This is a carrying case company making foam and custom carrying cases to protect your army. It's what they do. It's all they do. Check it out at BattleFoam.com. Battle Foam, protecting your army. We are back. back, back we back, are back. 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 All right. right. Time for some news and rumors brought to you by the Circle City Circuit. Still, the news and rumors front is a little weak, although uh, in this past week on Twitter, I know Rafaza was all excited and mm-hmm. threw in a link over to Warseer, and apparently there's a, a big to-do coming up at the end of August. A big to-do. Uh, now, there's, I think there's some trepidation surrounded by that big to-do. Some people 
feel that it may be game changing for better or for worse. Have you heard that? Well, that's, I mean, that's literally what it was. What what they were saying It's big game changing mm-hmm. stuff coming in. Um, I was worried that it would be ninth edition and that our campaign would have to get delayed for until we all got used to the new rules. But um, it looks like it might not be. It looks like it's just going to be a slew of new. I mean, from what I was reading from the the forum thread, it looks like it looks like Nagash is going to be coming is, is 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 coming back. Yeah, that is pretty cool. I mean, if it's like a character like Bellacore, like that they released for um, iPad, do you think it'll be something like that? Um, well, I mean, he's not he's not in a book, so he would have to be a battle scroll of some sort, scroll. wouldn't he? Yeah. Um, I would think so. Yeah. It's funny because the talk is if he's anywhere near what Nagash should be, he's going to be like a thousand point character. Yeesh. You know, I'm. I mean, I mean. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, he's practically a god, isn't he? Right. Right. I mean, if you read the the Nagash trilogy, I mean, it's like he was pretty much destroyed, but if you know, like one little bit of the, his ash remained behind. Mm-hmm. And eventually, you know, it's, it's like Sauron. If you don't destroy every right. last, if you don't destroy that thing, the every last bit of him, then he's, he's coming still, back. He still retains power. Yeah. Well, I, I wonder if his character coming back is is. I mean, is that enough? If he's a thousand point character, how often are you going to see him? Uh, you, you won't know? see him in tournaments. I mean, he probably won't be. That's. I think that's my worry. Is he's going to be about a five or six hundred point character, who mm-hmm. is. You know, hey, I've got a really cool gimmick, and I've got no ward save, and barely right. an armor save, and I'm Nagash, and I'll be right, right. I'll be taken off the board with from the first heavy breeze. Well, maybe it'll be like uh, the early years Nagash or something like that. You know what I mean? Like the younger version. Yeah. Now the rumors did mention that we might be seeing um, finally actually seeing some weekly releases for you know something for this system, something for that system. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Which I thought well, they say, uh, I, I heard some rumblings about what those might be. Did you read any of those? You know what I read it, but it was like last week, and I whatever you heard. What did you hear? Uh, some Norgal stuff. Yeah, I heard that, and possibly some. Uh, I read possibly some, just even some greater demon uh, models. I also heard uh, plastic blood knights for the vampire counts. Did you read any of that? That would be nice. That would, that would be, be really nice. Cool. I did read that too. I've got I've got five and they're the uh I they're mean, metal, right? No. I got the uh fine cast. Oh ones. fine cast, okay. Um uh, I, I got I they're all they were all perfect. So I have no complaints about them. They all came out really you know, they're nice. And I mean the Blood Knights are gorgeous, but they're still you think if they're, they're plastic they'll probably get new sculpts is what I'm wondering how how, how good they'll be. Uh, maybe, but even if they redid them in plastic, I would I would if I played VC, which I don't, but if I did, I'd still be good with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're good. They're 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 good models. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, they're they're amazing models. Yeah, they're really nice. Yeah, you know, I, I, I honestly, I think I think if they were just a, a hair cheaper, you'd see them a lot more on on the on the. You're talking about points wise. Yeah, I mean, I'm well. They're a hundred dollars for five too. They're twenty dollars a model, but you're basically. I mean, they got the same stats as a hero level vampire. Sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, because they are vampires. They're all vampires. So it's like... Yeah, it's just kind of rough with, with the current game, what it is, and cannons and all the shooting. It's... it's. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, can only... It, it, there could be a prime target. You can only afford to take five of them, and I don't even remember because I haven't played them in so long, but I think they've still only got, like, one wound apiece, mm-hmm. yeah. which is like, oh, well, really? Because, oh, 
That's you can't, that's bad, you know. It's still, it's still fragile. Yeah, but so I mean, if, it'd be nice, you know, with GW talking about their weekly release schedule. We still haven't really seen uh, not a lot, you know, on the fantasy front. It's been very quiet. Well, yeah. Well, with Seventh Ed coming out, and then they have to release the, you know, they got to release books to go along with the new little sets and stuff like that. I, I, I do see a lot of um, chatter and Twitter activity on on the Space Wolf front in terms of like I don't know what that is like it's some kind of drop ship or assault ship that people are seemingly not happy with. You know I think it looks kind of cool, but I will admit it's got a huge front end and and very small engines in the back. Yeah. But well, looks, but if it's a if it's a spacefaring vehicle, it wouldn't matter. That, exactly. But if you're playing it on your games, it's not a spacefaring vehicle. If you're playing it in yeah, your army. True. You're flying it over the board or blowing the terrain and everything else like that. So it does look a little front-heavy. I still think it's pretty cool, but I am partial to Space Wolves. I do like the Space Wolves a lot. So hmm. I'm I, thought, I thought it looked okay. But, I mean, that's all, once again, it's been months and months. I'm just, like I said, I'm looking forward to, you know, I'm reading this, and it's like, oh, they might have, uh, you know, there might be a vampire release, and there's a, then you've got a Nagash, and then there might be something for the Dark Elves or something coming out. Hmm. Um, like uh, it, new models? Or? Yeah. I mean, it would be nice to see. I mean, the whole point of this weekly release thing is that you don't have to wait. And Okay, this is this month. This is all that's coming out. And if it's not your army, then who cares? Right. It keeps you engaged. Yeah. Which I, I think is uh, something we all want. Yeah. Yeah, a little. And I mean, I ain't going to complain if some more demon stuff comes out either. So it would be nice to see them sort of put... Um, you know, different stuff for different sets coming mm-hmm. out every couple weeks as opposed to, you know, five weeks of this army and then five weeks right. of that army. I'm just, you know, I, I agree. Spread, spread it out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, it's not much of a point to making it a, a, a every single week release schedule if you're releasing the same army five weeks in a row, you know? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I guess that's about it, really. So, you got anything else? Nope, nothing for me. All right, well then why don't we move along to the Toolbox? Brought to you by... Chaos Rock Superstore. Superstore. So, oh, you know what? Um, I was talking with Andrew, who owns Chaos Rock Superstore, mm-hmm. and um, he's kind of curious as to what people are really looking for, like, you know, on the site, because, you know, he's he carries more than just one thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm just going to throw this out there. Guys... If you've got something, if you are, if you are, uh, you know, if you support our sponsors, and we hope you would, is there something that you would be looking for that maybe you looked at Chaos Orc Superstore and didn't find in it, or or a line, a company, some sort of line of miniatures or paints or whatever it is that you were looking for that maybe they didn't have? Dude, drop us an email, you know, garagehammer at live dot com or on the show thread in the forums. Um, but let us know what you'd like because you know we're you know there's always that sort of a fine tuning going on. Sure, and I know and he, he wants asked me. to keep his customer base happy. Exactly, you know it's all you know you're always looking to expand and make sure you got all your bases covered. Mm-hmm. And so um, if there's square and round. Yes, exactly. And if there's anything you want to see, you know let let us know and we'll let him know. So yep, excellent. All right, so the toolbox. Uh, <laughs> how many more pages did you plow through? I plowed through quite a bit. I'm in the home stretch. Uh, 
I've probably got another 20 or 30 pages to finish it. Okay, so you got through the part where he found and earned his moon bow running with the wolves. Yeah, 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 I read all that. And uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's still it still ranks among probably the single worst book I've ever read. Wow, wow. Yeah. Disliked it that much. I mean, it's not my favorite by any stretch of the imagination of all this Black Library stuff I've read. But mm-hmm. one of the worst books I've ever read, uh, that's, wow. Yeah, it's, it's a bit rough. It, you know, he... Granted, he's cool towards the end where he's killing a bunch of stuff and he's he's you know turning into this uh, tough character, but it's just it's just not enough. He's just not a believable character in in, in any respect, you know. Oh, really? So, see, I I didn't have a problem with the believability. I just thought for an origin story, it was taking him quite a long time to get to the okay. Now I got to kick some people's skulls in. You got to know he's going to show up in the third book, like sure. not 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 as the as the main character but he shows up and after you read all of this stuff in here the things he just the little bits where he shows up are kind of awesome because he is totally like batman like he like shows up and like where he is like yeah i took care of these guys for you now i'm leaving and don't don't even talk to me don't bother me i'm out of here it's just like (laughs) well as a supporting character great that's that's cool yeah as the main character for an entire book the way that this is written it's a bit rough. I think you'll really like the third book, though. I think the third book, I think you'll like it. Well, yeah, I mean, I, at the very least, I'll finish the trilogy, so I, I will move on to Calador, you know, pretty soon here, you know, thankfully. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'll let you know how that one is. How much? How many reading for, for you? I haven't been doing much reading because I've been doing a lot of this other work, um, mm-hmm. but I still have my Audible account, and I have been using it like crazy. In fact, they had a big sale, uh, so last week I actually picked up some books for the kids, too. Uh, Morgan's been listening to the How to Train Your Dragon series, read by David Tennant, the Tenth Doctor from Doctor Who, and we got those for about three bucks a pop. So I got a bunch of those, and I have finished the fourth book in the Monster Hunter International series, which I can't recommend highly enough. Monster Hunter International by Larry Correa. So uh, that was that's basically it for my reading. So uh, why don't we move on to some hobby? I know you've been. Uh, You've been plugging out the red, the red elves. I have. Um, I've I got the first rank more or less done. I'm I'm stuck kind of on the the gems. What color should I do the gems? Um, but that unit is coming together nicely. It's a unit of twenty one. So what I'm going to do is I, I want to start feeling high elves at tournaments going forward. Nice. But they of course I have to get them all painted. So I'm going to start with those units that I'm going to be using all the time. So this unit of twenty archers and probably. A one or two units of reavers. Okay. And once I get those done, then move on to, you know, dragon princes, bolt throwers, and the rest of it. So, uh, yeah, pushing okay. hard to get those done now you on the high your, front. You put your test models out on Twitter and stuff like that for people to look at. Uh, you yep. have decided to go with the metallic helmets. I have, yeah. Controversial as that choice was. I, I actually like it, and I think ultimately you have to choose what you like. I've seen them both, the models, in person. Not just pictures. And I will say this personally, I find mm-hmm. a lot of times you get your picture, you get a nice close up high res picture, you know, mm-hmm. take it with your phone or your camera or something, you put it up and then you're looking at your computer and they never quite do them justice. There's either so much detail that they it, it looks like you have bad brush strokes sometimes or, or sometimes the color doesn't quite come through. And having seen that model in person, I really I like it. I, it doesn't look pink or bubblegummy with the you know with the metallic part added. Mm-hmm. Um, Good. You putting the metal tips on the ends of the arrows like are the bows, mm-hmm. adding that same color to that ties that. I the think bows. that helps a lot. Yeah. yeah, 
it was it was a it's a it's a bang up job. I really do. I like it. Um, I like the metallic uh, masks or uh, helmets a little better. Cool. cool. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, the, the single model I wasn't so sure, but when I had the full rank, yep. and there was a number of them that had the same color. Then I think you start to see uh, when you start to see the repetition and the the uniformity. Then I think it starts to come together a little bit. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, and that's it on the high off front. I'm I'm doing some orc and goblin stuff also. Uh, you know, last uh, episode we talked about that orc idol and how the in the picture it's got the the chains wrapped around the hands. I went out and bought some uh, some jewelry chain from the local Hobby Lobby, and I'm, oh, nice. I'm going to glue that around the fists of my uh, orc idol to kind of give it a little bit more amplitude. Oh, okay, cool. That sounds so, awesome. Yeah, that should be fun. I think. Someone, I, I did some research, and so what you do is you wrap the chain around the hand, and then you you take like like crazy glue or some really thin viscous, um, uh, you know, super high strength glue, and just pour it on that that chain to harden it. Oh yeah. And then you prime it, you prime it, and then you um, you paint it like normal. So I wasn't quite sure if you you coat it in like like Elmer's glue or watered down wood glue, but uh, that that seems to be the way to go. Like a you a know thin, what. Super glue. When I'm at UGG, you know, they've got, in fact, I know a lot of, I've seen it at a lot of different stores. Like everyone slaps, like it's got that little space to slap your own store's label on it. Yeah, yeah. They're, they got the different colored caps, the purple, the pink, the green mm-hmm. colored caps. Um, there's one, and Cranky picked it up for me, and I said the purple cap, and I didn't realize he picked up the light purple cap. I didn't realize there were two purple caps. I guess uh. one's kind of pink. But the one, it's um, it's a thin Glue, like I can't even use it to like put my models together because you put it on it sort of it just sort of pours everything. It's every- too runny. It's yeah. too watery, right? Yeah. That would actually I, I, do you use that glue for anything? Uh rarely. Um if there's a little gappy parts sometimes. You know right. what I'm saying? I might I might bother I might uh, bother you to, to borrow that because I have that bottle too. I just can't find it. Yeah, no, like, you just take I the same problem. Like, oh I can't use this, but Yeah, take mine, because that was too thin for when I was putting regular models together. But I was going to say that would probably be good for going all over to hold that chain down and stuff like that. Right, right. So I'm looking forward to that. And I think once I paint the chain, you know, I'll I'll apply the rust effects in it. I might do, like, that shiny, pulpy blood effect, like it just, like, punched through, uh, you know, a a door unit or something. Oh, of course, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think that that I think will help push that model over the edge a little bit, get visual interest. Yeah, I think I, I... it sounds good, uh, and it was, it's like ten to fit. It's I think it says five. It says gap filling glue because that's it's so thin it'll go through oh, the so gaps. It's perfect, then. Yeah, so it should go right over that. It should it should work real nice, uh, nice. Uh, for you. I uh, that's the one I'll use um, sometimes if I just want to put it on their feet. You know, like glue them to the base because oh. if, if, if the feet aren't exactly flat, one hundred percent perfect. Right. You put it a lot of, yeah, you put that glue on, and yeah, that's that's basically the only thing I really use it for. Okay. Yeah, I know there's a super thin glue bottle that's blue. That might even be might even be thinner than what you have, but might uh, be. But I I never I don't I don't take a look. Yeah, I have no purpose for that glue. So I never. Yeah, I would never. I've never bought it. So yeah. so that's that's about it on the hobby side. You know, doing a lot of list building up for Screw City. You know, if I if I take that super big uh, orc idol, I'm trying to build an army around it, but it's tough because. I feel like if you don't take your war machines and your orc and goblin lists, then you're kind of taking this. You're on the back foot. They do need it. It seems so weird. It's just that's that's like it seems like the biggest swing and a miss from the 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 book writing the rules writer standpoint. Orcs, yeah. orcs should be. I mean, they should be much like dwarfs. A lot of on their feet, 
you know, infantry in the battle, punching and hitting and fighting. Uh, I'd much rather yeah, see not, not quite as not quite as fighty as warriors per se, but uh, that's okay because there's a lot of them. Exactly. It, just to, just to have the the option to field a non-shooty army would be nice. Exactly. I mean, it's just it, heavy shooting, heavy war machines doesn't scream orcs to me. Right. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And that's where it seems like the the big swing and the miss is that the, the better mm-hmm. the, the the way that you're going to build it if you want to go and and have a good chance to win like in a term or something like that is completely. Seems to be seems to be completely against the fluff. So intuitive, yeah, I, I agree. So I don't. Well, hopefully with the new book, if that comes out, uh, they'll they'll change that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I'm actually looking forward to that. That would be cool to see what they do if they if they if they revamp that book. Yeah. So that's about it for me on the hobby side. How about yourself? Um, I have been building more dwarfs. I have now officially built a hundred and three new dwarfs. Um, I have 20, uh, the Iron Drakes, and I don't know what I was thinking. I must have been drunk, but I built each of the box of 10 with a command unit. And then so, I realized I only I, want to field them in a unit of 20. <laughs> okay. So I've got 20 well, of them. You, uh, can you take an exacto to that command unit and make them rank and file? Uh, probably. That's what I'm going to have to do, except the, I mean, basically they use completely different arms. So it's one of these things where I'd have to, I'd have to basically get underneath and I think I have some, I have some debonder. So I'm going to have to try to debond the shoulder pads because the arms I can just cut off at that point and put on the, the correct arms, mm-hmm. but it's the shoulder pads that I can't ruin. Because you don't you don't right. get the extra. Yeah, you have to use that, or you have to use that again on your rank and file guy. Right. So um, that's that's the only part that I've got. Um, I do have forty hammers at this point. Um, I got a couple nice. of new rune lords. I got Grim Burlickson. I've got thirty uh, long beards with great weapons and full command. And uh, I did build twenty iron breakers. And I know a lot of people don't think they're worth all that much. But I think maybe in a tournament they're not as good. But if you know you're facing, uh, you know, a toughness three army, mm-hmm. you know, strength a lot of elves, a lot of elves on the scene right now. Yeah, strength four, uh, strength four, yeah. hand weapon shield. Um, the fact that uh, they've always got a five up parry save. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just, I mean, they're they're pretty good, and I like the models. Like so bunker. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I've got all that. Um, I did finally get out to the garage the other day. I spent about two or three hours out there, uh, primed 93 dwarves with the airbrush uh, and nice. the primer. Uh, I got to tell you, that Minotaur, I was when, uh, who was at uh, Adepticon? Uh, Badger was at Adepticon. Mm. And I bought a bunch more of that Minotaur paint, the, the stuff made for the airbrush. You just pour it right in. You don't have to add anything to it. You just pour it in your airbrush and go. And I bought a quart of their black primer. Hmm. Now, How long does that last you? Well, um, I've got one of those little gravity feeds, so I think my cup holds like an ounce or an ounce and a half of paint. Okay? Um, in, I, I think I filled it five times, and there was a couple of times where I you know, moved herky-jerky and spilled some out of the cup onto the ground. Um, so maybe four, four and a half fills, you know, f- so maybe five ounces out of a quart uh, tops. Uh, I painted 93 dwarfs. A steam tank, uh, six Empire war machines with crews, two dozen Empire uh, knights, 
you know, uh, oh. cav, uh, uh, basically two dozen cav models, and about thirty Empire regular. Tr- Dude, I was just picking them up and paying them. Like I Jeez. wasn't paying attention. And that You're was like, like in, uh, beast mode priming. You, you okay? We, <laughs> I was talking with Rotor about this the other day. Because he kind of called me on it. He's like, yeah, so, you know, you're big on this. I don't paint for tournaments anymore. How many models have you painted? I'm like, well, I painted some up for uh, Wapaka. And I didn't think I did any, but I did paint a few up for Adepticon. Or not Adepticon, uh, for Bits. I had to, There was just a couple of, of models I needed for my list. Um, but it was so few and it was so far ahead of time for Bits that I didn't feel like I was painting for a tournament. But he's right. He's like I, I've, and I haven't been painting um, the model. So I know his his stance is if you don't pay for tournaments, just pay for the fun of it. That's all fine. But nothing ever gets done. Well, it wasn't so, so much nothing find... ever gets done. But if you're gonna, if you're if you're not gonna use it as your motivation, you better find another motivation. Otherwise, you're just not painting. So what's what's your motivation? Right now, it's actually once I sat and sat there with that airbrush and started cranking out. It's, I know once I get started. And I get into machine mode, as, as you guys call it. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I sat out in the garage two nights ago, and I and I primed almost 150 models. Just sitting there, just next, next, right. next, next. So I know once I get going, I'll get going. I'm gonna be a hundred percent honest with you here. And it, it took it, it once again. It took it took Rotor, sort of knowing me well enough. Um, I really want this dwarf army to look great. And I've been really talking about doing the, uh, you know, I've been talking about painting them up pearl. And, and doing, the, yeah, the, well, the pearl stuff. But even, you know, since since the, you know, since the um, Grommel armor is not going to be metallic, it's going to be this mother of pearl sort of stuff. I wanted to do the heavy armor and not necessarily do it in metallics. And then I was looking at the non-metallic metals and, mm. uh you know, I keep I've watched that video by Wapo like three, four times, and I'm still like afraid to put paint to brush. I'm just going at it, going, I don't know if I can do this. And I think, you know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Well, I think I think you have to set uh, you know attainable and realistic goals. If if you reach too high, that's fine. But then you're, I think you're going to paralyze yourself into not doing anything. Well, and that's what it is. Yeah, I got I got to finally I got to sit down and do the test model. I got to suck it up, sit down, shut up, paint the damn test model. Right, you do a series of tests, and it was you know like me and these these archers and the helmets and the red. And, right, you know you tweet. It's it's a big learning experience as you go. Because it may work, but if it takes me, um, you know, ten hours to do one model, and I'm only going to get one model done a week, and I've got at least a hundred to paint, that's two years to get you know most of the army, not all of it done. Then I you know. I've been talking up this whole. I want to do this non. It's like I, mm-hmm. I want this army to shine. Like I really want this to be the army that is. You know, people may even think of considering it for best painted. Mm-hmm. But I really think on a scale of one to ten, I'm about a five or six painter. I'm pretty average, you know. And well, I'm, you have to take those incremental steps. So. Yeah, and I think I picked a technique that's about an eight and a half or a nine, and I'm looking at it now, going, <gasps> "What did I say?" Well, I I, that's okay. I mean, but but to Rotor's point, you have to take the plunge, do some test models to at least show some progress. You know, tweet them out there, get garner opinions on them, and you just got to take forward steps, even if you don't know if they're big steps. Yeah, a little trial and error is is certainly. Moving we'll things forward, and that was part of that wanting to get out there and get everything primed. Because now I don't have any excuses. The stuff is primed yeah, and go. waiting for paint. It's not even like oh, I got to get around to getting this done. It's ready. 
So I think right. I think I'm going to tr- I'm going to I am going to try to commit here to at least getting uh, the uh, Gromerl, the Mother of Pearl, uh, and try to see how those test models get get at least one or two of those tests out before the next show to see how that looks and how that works and see if that stands up. And, and then I'm going to also try to get at least one regular uh, of the non, you know, non-metal metallics. Um, I don't know if I'm looking for more of a shiny sort of a chromey look or more of a blue metal. I'm thinking more of a blue gun metal sort of look. Hmm. Um, well, I think as you, as you start painting it, start testing it and seeing the results, you'll, you'll, once you see it in person, and how much work it took to get there, I think that's when you'll determine I which just, way it'll go. I just have this feeling in the back of my head that I'm going to do like two test models, and I'm going to be like, where is that? Me- where are my metallic paints? Uh, <laughs> maybe, but uh, hey, if you try it, that's that's still, that's the that's thing. still worth it. I'm going to give know? it a try, see what I can do. If I have to go to the metals, I'll go to the metals. You know, mm. you know, who knows? Maybe I do the grommel. Maybe I do the heavy armor if it's just heavy armor maybe i do it as a leather armor and go away from and still stay away from the metals you know i don't know we'll see what happens with the test model but that's where i'm at uh just primed up a whole bunch of stuff and i'm actually really raring to 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 give this a go all right well i'm I'm raring to see it so excellent hurry up all right so (laughs) that's it you got any other other uh watched a couple of movies uh elysium that was uh, Brad Schwant's recommendation. I thought it was pretty good with Matt Damon. I heard that was um, okay. I heard it wasn't nearly as bad as the critics who panned the heck out of it. It was it was decent. I mean, if you're looking for an action movie uh, with a decent, good enough story, it was it was good. Okay. Um, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, Ender's Game. We finally saw that. I what did you that. think? I liked it. Have you I thought read the it book? was a, a decent. I, I have read the book, and the book I loved, and I think I thought this did a good enough job. I wanted it not to be. Good enough. You know what I mean? I wanted it yeah. to be great. You want it to be its best. Yeah, I, I hear you. Um, my other, and I'll try to go through this quick, um, I, was, I too was looking for a series to start sort of binge-watching while I was working on models, um, and Harrison has been bugging me to start watching Supernatural. Okay, is that on like WGN or? Yeah, it's on the WB or whatever. Right, right. It's actually, he's like, Dad, if you like Monster Hunter International and you liked Buffy, and that kind of stuff. Watch this. You're heavily into the monster hunting micro genre. You see. know what? I've always been into that, though. I mean, when I was a kid, I used to watch. I mean, I was one of those weird kids. Like my parents were, uh, were always convinced I was going to grow up to be a serial killer because I was the kid in on the weekends who would sit and watch all the all the monster movies uh, that were on like on you know on the, the UHF channels. Interesting. Okay. So uh, I was doing that. Now I will say this. Binge on going to the theater in this last month. Lucy, avoid it. Terrible. Really? My, I saw your tweet about that, or someone's tweet. My brother-in-law saw it, and he, he and his wife, they actually liked it. I could spend the next 20 minutes just pointing out all the <laughs> huge gaping holes that, and senselessness of this well, movie. That's, that's another podcast. I did see A Most Wanted Man, which is um, one of the last films that Philip Seymour Hoffman did. Oh, it was brilliant. Like it was, mm. it was a fantastic film. Um, and then, of course, I've seen now multiple times Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, yeah, we're going to see that soon. So don't say anything. I've been avoiding, you know, a lot of the Twitter stuff about that, Facebook posts about that. It, it looks it's, really good. It's fantastic. It is so good. It, it of all the Marvel movies, it may be my favorite. Mm. 
Yeah, I, I, people are, are saying that, so I have high expectations. All right, but we've been going way too long, so let's uh-huh. uh, um, let's take a break, come back, and uh, we're going to be coming back with Gary Luther, who's going to be talking to us about uh, what's going on with the Circle City Circuit, and um, he's got a, a City Primer tournament. He's got a Screw City Primer coming on, so we'll be back with Gary Luther. Unique Gifts and Games in Grays Lake, Illinois is the one-stop shop for all your gaming needs. They carry anything your favorite gamer may want. Board games, collectible card games, miniature-based games, and all your hobby gaming supplies are there, as well as books, charms, incense, crystals, and other unique gifts. UGG has it all. Come into the store and ask about their frequent buyers program, or check out their gaming and events calendars in-store or online. From Tuesday night War Machine and Thursday Board Game Night to Friday Night Magic, there's always something going on at Unique Gifts and Games in Gray's Lake. Check them out on the web at uniquegg.com. Tools. Today we are joined by none other than the man himself, Gary Luther. How are you doing, Gary? I'm doing fine. Happy to be back. Excellent, excellent. So uh, you want to talk some uh, Circle City Circuit? I am, I am. So as of right now, the circuit is about half over. We've had our first two big events. Uh, we had Slanesh Fest back in March, the Summer Slaughter uh, back in June, and now we're moving on to Nurgle's Carnival on uh, September 13th, which is going to be at Indie Warcon. Um, it's going to be a primer for Screw City GT, and it's going to be epic. Uh, we're going to get scenarios that I'm working with Alex on to make as authentic to the original, the actual event as possible. We're going to use the same rule set, so 3,000 points. You've got to bring a monster, and you can use Scrolls of Binding. Um, right now we're at 18 paid, and I've got room for 32. Nice. I'm I'm eyeing that one. I, it's it's on my list. I would love to have you. It would be. It's right now. I've got <clears throat> people coming from Ohio. I've got a group led by Fer, uh, William Fergus coming from Illinois. It's going to mm-hmm. be a big gathering here in Indiana to play Warhammer. And what's awesome. really great is at, they're doing it at Indie Warcon. Uh, it's being uh, which is being head up by our local game shop gamers. And so Saturday, I'm doing the Warhammer tournament. And then Sunday, I don't know if you guys play X-Wing. There's going to be a big X-Wing event that's really cheap to get into and it's going to have amazing prize support. So the Saturday is a one-day tournament? Saturday is a one-day tournament, three rounds. If you come to Indy, I'm going to show you a good time. So we're going to be going out to some really fun <laughs> restaurants. Oh, all right. Nice. right. Yeah, right around the corner, there's this amazing uh, Mexican place that I'm going to take everybody to that was on Food Network. Um, oh, wow. So... It's going to be a lot of fun. And, was it on uh, Triple D? Uh, yeah, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. I love that show. I probably know the restaurant then. I watched it's it. It's called Tamale Place. It's actually Guy Fieri's right on there. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And this so, is this. you said this is from 
being run by uh, what was it? Indie uh, gamers. It, gamers are a local store, um, and so it's being held at Indie Warcon. The guy, uh, the manager from Gamers, his name is Tim. This is the first year he's done it, but he wants to do like a wargaming convention kind of thing. And oh, he's yeah. having he's throwing a 40k tournament, a fantasy tournament, an X-wing tournament, a Star Trek, a Star Trek tournament, a mm. War Machine tournament, and he's got tables. He's got prize support, and he's got terrain for all of it. Yeah, Chris, that was the voicemail we played at the beginning of the show. That was the voicemail from oh, the lady okay. called right. from IndyCon. That's, yeah, we got a voicemail from her t- uh, telling us about it. We played it at the beginning of the show, Gary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, Tim and Pat, Pat's his wife. Yeah, it was Pat. Uh, Excellent. Excellent. Full <laughs> press here. Amazing, nice. They're amazing people. I actually uh, work with them on our events, and they've hosted our first two Screw City events. I'm sorry, our first two um, uh, CCC events. Mm-hmm. And they've been nothing but a, a delight to work with. They're just amazing owners for a game store. Fantastic. So, and they're helping me out with prize support for this event, and they're also helping me get tables for it, everything. So uh, we're going to throw a really great shindig here in Indy. And what's going on right now is I've got a bunch of players from Ohio showing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Robertson's coming. Um, it's going to be a really good show. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. The worst part is the fact that I can't play in it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's, yeah, that's that's the bittersweet part about running a tournament. I hear you. You're like, I really could test out my 3,000-point dwarf list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now, let me ask you, since you're track. bringing dwarves, what kind of monster are you bringing? Um, so I'm doing a Slayer-themed dwarf army. Nice. So my flame cannon is actually going to be a dragon strapped down to the ground with two dwarves driving spears into it. Ooh, I like it. <laughs> Then I'm also going to have a dragon flying with a slayer, you know. It'll be He's going to have a hat. It's going to be awesome. Any That's particular awesome. type of dragon? Are you going to do the shard dragon, like for Monsters? Um, I wanted to do the shard dragon. I'm just trying. I'm having an issue with points. The problem with the rare selection of the dwarves is it keeps people honest. So yeah. you've got the Oregon guns, which you need yeah. to keep people from sitting, like, 26 inches away from you. Uh, <laughs> We're going to be talking about our game next when we're done talking here, Gary. And, yeah, the organ guns are beautiful. (laughs) I I tell people who want to go War Machine Light, which I totally concede doing, that you need at least one or two organ guns just to keep everybody honest. Because when you have somebody with warlocks or whatever who are just sitting on that line, pop two shots into them and see what happens. I'm just saying. Right. Yep. You've got to force the issue. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know you know what that's like, Chris. <laughs> Unfortunately, I do, but that's not what we're talking about this segment. So on track, <laughs> stay on target, stay on target. Yes, stay on target. But uh, so yeah, that's it. So I want to give a quick recap of what's happened at the last CC CC event. Sure, mm-hmm. we had the Summer Slaughter, uh, which was won by Doctor Warhammer Ryan Caps. He came in. He went three and zero. He also tied for best sports. Um, because he's that kind of guy. If you've ever had a chance to play him, he's just an amazing player. Um, mm-hmm. And then second place was uh, James Shaw. He's actually the guy who came in first place at the first one uh, at the the Slanesh Fest. So he's currently in the lead to become Indy's first G- Demon Prince. So the person who comes out with the highest amount of, of points at the end of the four rounds will be a point anointed Indy's first Demon Prince because each mm-hmm. tournament is sponsored by one of the Chaos Gods. And so we've got a big tra- plaque for it and all that stuff. So it'll be fun little uh, 
little reason to come to to as many tournaments as possible. Do they get to pick uh, which type, or they will they be a demon prince of chaos undecided? I'll let them pick whichever one they want. All right, nice. And so, yeah, when they win the tournament, they officially, uh, whenever they enter another tournament, they're officially the chosen of. So right now, James Shaw is the chosen of Slanesh. Ah. Ryan Caps is the chosen of Corn. So do they become a greater demon or just a... We're going to go with Demon Prince. If they win it two years in a row, I'll anoint them a greater demon. Oh, very nice. <laughs> Ooh, I could become a great unclean <laughs> one. I'm halfway there. <laughs> <laughs> but so far this year, we're averaging about 20, 20 to 24 people per tournament. And mm-hmm. this next one looks like it'll be even bigger. So uh, it's really grown a lot this year. And and that's why we're coming on. Just uh, hope we see more people from Central in, Central you know, U.S. coming to our tournament. A tournament circuit. I just, I've, I've always liked this idea. It's like the, uh, it's like a campaign, but for tournament goers. A little edge. No, I, I like it, and it's, it's themey. It's got some good titles that people are going to want to battle for. Uh, yeah, that's really cool. It's really cool. What's actually funny is uh, Slanesh Fest was won by the team, which was the only team that brought Slanesh Demons. Well, that's fitting. <laughs> it was kind of like. That actually happened, didn't it? This slash smiled upon you. You came with yeah. my people. You win. The Winds of Chaos well, blew favorably for them. Actually, they drew a Dwarven gun line round one, and they popped the, uh, I think it's what, the 12 that summons new demons. Oh. And so they popped a big unit of demons right next to all the war machines. Ouch. There it goes. <laughs> it was like, Slanesh said we win. So right. just, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to happen. That's awesome. That is great. That is great. So yeah, that's uh, Doug Mooney and James Shaw's uh, devoted of Slanesh Army. They were amazing guys to play. So yeah, I, I actually uh, got to see them again at Buckeye, which we were okay. sad to see you guys did not make it down for. You guys know I make it to like three tournaments a year. That's just that's just how it is. Well, you, you gotta you gotta talk to the wife and you know. Tell her how it is. I'm a busy man. I can barely get my podcast out on time. Hey, you got to get your priorities straight, Buster. <laughs> Are you going to be making it to Screw City, sir? Doesn't look like it. Oh, oh. sad. Oh. Although, 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 clearance has been granted. Pack as a go. I okay. will be. I will be one of the geeks. Uh, well, by the time this airs, I will have been one of the geeks sitting up till midnight Friday night waiting for it to open. So. I can make sure I'm in. So you mean you're you're part of the vanguard, the chosen few ahead of the pack. That's it. You and I are both. So, yeah. Chris, are you coming to uh, Screw City? I will be at Screw City. Yes. Excellent. I went last year and I had a ball. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a fun tournament. Alex runs a, a good tournament. It's a good time. I'm looking forward to that. I like Alex's yeah, actually, tournaments. Yeah. I really want to go. It's just it's falling onto it's 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 keeps it's falling onto a hard weekend, and I'm just like ugh. Let me let me talk to your wife. Okay. Do you straighten? Her? Yeah. <laughs> let, I, I'd advise you not to use that term when you show no. up to talk to her. <laughs> so yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to Screw City. I've got a grudge I need to avenge. Oh, do. Uh, um, he's gonna go unnamed for right now. I, oh. I, will, I will find him. Oh, Gary, you'd be proud of me when I was playing Chris in our uh, pseudo uh, war of uh, war of vengeance game. Every time a unit was taken off the board, I did stop, bow my head, and tell them they would be avenged. So Nice. It makes a difference, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, last year, one of my uh, my team, because we, we brought a big group of guys to it, had a terrible game against somebody, and uh, 
then that person posted a really nasty message about it. So there's a Ooh. grudge that will be avenged. Like jokingly nasty or seriously so, nasty? Seriously nasty. Oh, okay. So like bragging how badly he beat the guy, and the guy was brand oh, new. Cool. I brought him to his first tournament kind of thing. Oh, and, uh, so the guy clubbed a baby seal and went on to stand on his soapbox and crow about it? Pretty much. So I will find him. <laughs> nice. Oh, I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing this then. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I know who he is. I just gotta, I gotta make sure I can arrange it with the bosses. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Nice. Well, I'm, I'm sure it can be done. So there will, there will. I'm a dwarf player. We bribe. Yeah, I do everything but cheat on the table. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> gotcha. But no. Um, so yeah, the dwarves will be out in vengeance. It'll be a great, great tournament. I can't wait. And. Well, yeah. uh, a Slayer-themed dwarf army is, is great, for especially for this type of tournament, because there's going to be lots of monsters. So I see we that list actually doing pretty pretty well. We hear there'll be monsters, so we showed up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I'm bringing a block of 50. Oh. I, I'm going to tell you, I, I'm bringing a block of 50. I mean, if you want, if somebody wants to bring something against it, that's fine. 50 <laughs> Slayers. I got Ungrim in there. Do, what you, do your worst. I've got to say, with all the stuff they did in that dwarf book, still not having Gotrek and Felix in that book annoys me. Yes, I they, concur. They, I mean, they, if, if anybody deserves a named character in an army book, flipping Gotrek. All right, so listen, we need to move to Would You Rather. It is. I, I am all, I'm all in. Let's do this. All right. Chris, right. why don't you read him the first one here? All right, Gary. Would you rather play High Elves or Dark Elves? Play as, meaning not you take your dwarves against them. Yeah. Oh, so actually buy the army and play it? Yes. I, uh, I will say that um, a couple years ago I was going to build a High Elf army. Wow. I was going to do them as Half Elves. So like an entire army of like... The bastards have, have to work. So I could give them all beards. You're absolutely right. <laughs> I was going to have them led by Tannis because I'm a Dragonlance nerd. Oh, there you go. Lorana. Yep, yep. But I would go for Hiles. I can't play bad guy armies. It's just not my character. Oh, look. See? Yeah, that's I, I that's very that. interesting. That is very interesting. I get that. Alex uh, and I were talking, Alex Nikotenko, who I think you know, Gary, he yeah. only plays evil armies. He is awesome. I've I've had the uh, pleasure of playing him a few times, and mm-hmm. uh, I can totally see how he'd only play bad guy armies. I, I will play him with my good guy armies every day, and then I will take him out for an Italian beef. You know, <laughs> we'll go. We get some peppers. It'd be great. There you go. <laughs> Interesting. Hi, uh, that's, that's my poor attempt at a Chicago accent. By the way, I apologize. <laughs> it was okay. Works for me. All right. Question number two, David. Well, why don't you take that one, and I'll take number three. All right. So, Gary, when it comes to painting. Would you be? Would you rather be a? Would you rather be a tournament standard painter at best, but be fast, or be a consistent best painted contender, but be horribly slow? I would definitely rather be a, um, because I would love to be able to paint massive quantities of models that are really well done, and convert them. Because painting and converting is a little bit different. I, I'm a firm believer that you need to have standout models that are like big converted models. Mm-hmm. I'm doing blimps for my dwarves. Oh, I like yeah, that. For gyrocopters. Um, but to be able to paint massive amounts of ar- like several armies, it would. 
I would enjoy that more. Um, I can paint of showcase army. Yeah, I can paint a couple art like a couple models really really well, but I don't have the attention span for you know one model for like twelve days. Mm-hmm. You know, anointed in like copper. What I just don't do it. Um, right. But you know that's that's just my my personality. Um, so okay. and I'd love to be able to have like five armies. I have three well painted armies. I have one, so <laughs> I have a friend who has seven. Ugh. That's got to be a great spot to be in because you can pick and choose to your heart's content. Yeah, and what's great is he ha- they're all different. So he has a Chaos Dwarf army, he has an Ogre army, he has an Empire army, he has a Dogs of War army. So that would be my answer. I would definitely be able to paint large quantities of models really well. Okay, here's question number three. Would you rather tell a Bretonian knight that he'd be better served with a bow and arrow than a sword or serve substandard ale to a discerning and irritable dwarf? Come on, it's a Bretonian night any day. <laughs> I'm just saying, it'd be like, there's no comparison. One violence, yeah. Because to be honest, I'd probably be telling them the truth. I mean, let's be honest. You know, I, I, I'd tell them, hey, take the bow. I'm going to need the lance because you probably are terrible with it. But <laughs> you had a dwarf terrible beer, you're probably going to end up, like, through the wall. <laughs> this is true. And having been served terrible beer recently, I will say it totally ticked me off. So, oh, I mean, my ire was drawn. There, I'm happy there wasn't blood spilled. There you go. All right. Well, another exciting game of Would You Rather is in the books there. Thanks for playing, Gary. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, I hope to see all you guys at Nurgle's Carnival and Screw City GT. Absolutely. Excellent. Thanks for coming on, Gary. Thanks, Gary. All right, folks, we will be right back. That's right, folks. Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chessex Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted board and miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. Chaos Orc Superstore. And we're back. Are you guys ready to talk some War of the Beard? Uh, The War of Vengeance, I think you mean? Well, you, some might call it that, but it is known as War of the Beard. <sighs> yeah, to the uh, to the uneducated. Why are you get cheap, huh? <laughs> oh, uh, Gary did ask me to mention something. Um, hmm. If you want to register for Nurgle's Carnival, it's at IndieWarhammerClub.com. I-N-D-Y Warhammer Club, all one word, dot com. So, um he just—he so he said he forgot to mention the website where you can register, and I told him 
that uh, he just texted me right before we came back from the break. So, well, I mean, yeah, you announced it. We can include it in the show notes. Uh, make sure that uh, it's accessible for everyone to get to. Absolutely. So, you and I had a four thousand point game. We did. Uh, I, I think you were itching to play um, Thorgrim Grudgebearer, and the only way that you could do that was to play a super large game. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah, I actually, I actually was pushing for 5,000, and you were like, ugh. You know what? I, I wanted... yeah, we did talk about that. 5,000 points, I think the game starts to change a little bit. You know what? Can we talk about this before we get into our game? Because I actually, right after we played the game, I said, oh, we need to do this again. We need to go even bigger. And you seemed really sort of and I didn't know if you just didn't enjoy our game or if you just don't want to get that much bigger. So what's your – yeah, I'd like to hear your thoughts about this because we never really discussed this. Well, there's a couple things. So one, if you if you play that many points, then I think you have to play on a bigger table, um, you know, probably an eight-foot table. Okay. So that, that's that's that, – that'd be one thing. The second thing is – Especially at five thousand point games, in my opinion, things like um, shooting and magic they they don't. I think they start to carry less of their weight than they normally would in like a two thousand or even a three thousand point game because oh, yeah. there's so many you know boots on the ground. So it's hard for you to destroy units fully. Um, yeah, but it, you know, I suppose it depends if you can line up the combats the way that you want, etc. It just feels like the fabric of the game at its core level starts to change a little bit. I, you know what? I'd have to agree with you there because um, I think, in fact, I was even thinking about it when we started talking about larger, big, big, uh, big games. I remember saying how I could field if I had everything on the board. I could field like almost ten thousand points of VC if yeah. I wanted to go kind of character heavy. And yeah. we all thought about that, and I said, "Dude, I wouldn't take any. I would have one character with Laura Vampires because what's the point? I'd have to. I'd put out all that. I mean, what's what's regrowing?" What's even the point of that the, that style of play at that? I would completely fundamentally change the way I play the army. Totally. Yeah, so totally. I, I have to agree with you there. Yeah, magic and shooting suddenly become a lot less. Maybe not so much shooting, because war machines to soften up some of those bigger units might work. But I think you'd have to basically pick lores that are totally buffs and debuffs. I think that's the only um, thing that's effective. You uh, that or there are certain spells that affect whole units or use a template like your purple suns or uh, dwellers. You know certainly could still be effective, but magic missiles. I mean, who cares about a two d six magic missile when you have when you're looking at five thousand points? You know yeah. what I mean? Oh yeah, I think you're right there. Yeah, yeah. So so I I mean we could try it. I don't want to say I I never I'll never do it. We could try it. I just it just we have so many other things we could play. If you're if, right. if you're not certain you want to, why bother? I mean, we could put it in a list. Sure. Yeah. Eventually, we could kick out a 5,000 point game. Yeah. But so we went with the 4K. Um, Now, do you want to run down the idea of your list real quick, just so people kind of know what we were doing? So, yeah, we'll dissect the idea of the list and kind of general strategy. Sure. So, my list, I I took tech lists. I went magic heavy. Uh, I avoided monsters because I figured you'd be going cannon heavy. So, no phoenixes whatsoever, no dragons. That did surprise me. That surprised you? Okay. Yeah. I put those points towards uh, four bolt throwers, uh, two units of two eagles, and lots of infantry. So lots of white lions, lots of phoenix guard, uh, minimal core, a couple of units of archers, and some fast cav, techless, and a BSB. And that was, oh, some shadow warriors, um, a couple other, one other scouting character. Now you and said wanted- you went magic heavy, but you really only had techless. Now, I mean, granted, techless... 
And you took uh, the I can pick any eight spells I want tech list. Correct. Right. So the magic side. So I suppose when I say magic heavy, I went magic uh, diverse. Right. It's a spell selection. But I mean, high elves are nothing like they used to be. You don't have the banner of sorcery anymore. That gives you extra D3 power dice. Techless before would generate D3 power dice on his own. Right. So that's two D3 power dice that's, that you no longer have access to. So, right. Um, so, and, and one thing that I was going to take was the um, Forbidden Rod comboed with the uh, Banner of the World Dragon. Now, for those who don't know, you, you pop the Forbidden Rod on a wizard who's in a unit with the banner, and you get uh, an extra D6 power dice, but the rod inflicts D3 wounds to the bearer. So what high elf, high elf players have been doing is that the banner protects you from those wounds, gives you the two port save versus those wounds. But the, the counter-argument to that is that since they're not magical attacks and it's not a spell, uh, it's not a magic weapon, that wouldn't uh, fall under the umbrella of protection offered by the banner of the World Dragon. So I was going to take that combo because, you know, Power Dice are at an extreme premium, especially with uh, a techless list against dwarves. But uh, I figured, well, if, if there's some question about it, then, then I won't take it. Yeah, because I know it, it does say it gets D3 wounds with no armor saves allowed. It just inflicts wounds with no armor saves. Right. Whereas, and, see, and I thought about that, and I said, well, you know, the, the banner protects you against stuff on the miscast table, but mm-hmm. the miscast table actually says inflicts hits. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to straight I, I up wounds. The miscast table has been FAQ'd where those hits count as magical attacks. And they count as magical attacks too. But I was just saying the difference between it being a hit and this one, you just take straight wounds. I, I can see both arguments. I have no idea on that one which way GW intended it to be. I, I have to think that they intended it that they're magical attacks. I mean, it's their wounds being inflicted by a magical item. Right. There's no magical item out there that inflicts mundane attacks, is there? Uh, magical items? No, there were banners that did stuff. Like, I know the flaming banner in, in, in fix flaming hits, but they're not magical. Not magical attacks. Do you see what I'm saying? Because so, I, remember, I remember there being a big thing about that, them specifically staying it, because the mm-hmm. old VC book had the banner that does flaming magical, mm-hmm. as opposed right. to just the banner which just does flaming. Dude, I don't know. I mean, I guess I would let it go either way, depending on the player. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if... if so you you wouldn't protest it if I had done if I had brought that combo? I don't think I would have protested it. No. Well, I wonder. Like, it's only for one turn. It's gonna, you know. I mean, I get that's the point of it, but that was written a couple of years before the high elves got this book. And you know that stupid banner protects them against everything. Why wouldn't it protect against that? Right. I mean, you know what yeah. I'm saying? It protects against yeah. everything that you get hit with in the planet, except for this uh, exploding wand. Nope, except no for this exploding there. magic wand. No, that one's going to do them in. You know, right. and it doesn't say no saves of any kind. If they didn't want, if 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 they wanted you to take those wounds, no matter what, they would say no. They would saves. say no saves of any kind. Yeah. Just saying, you get no armor save is is different in my opinion. So I know it's totally different. It's a world of difference, especially it, in this case. I could be dead wrong, but. I would say, I, you know, I'd have said go ahead. With I, I, think, I think it's arguable either way. But anyway, um, so that was my approach. So I figured I'm going to use magic. Uh, I'm going to deplete your blocks because you're going to outshoot me. Yeah. So in order to deplete your blocks before we hit combat, you know, I have to purple sun you. I have to dwellers you. Um, I have to pit of shades you. Once I do that, 
Hopefully I can shoot off a couple of your war machines, charge them with eagles, whatever, then engage your blocks with superior weight of numbers, and then outfight you with a couple uh, buffs here or there, again, via magic, and outgrind you. Because I find winning combat against dwarf blocks is very, very hard. You have to kill them to the model. So if you can shoot them on the way in, if you can magic them on the way in, uh, that way you don't have to fight as many, because they they hit really hard. The hatred and the high strength and all the rest of it, they, they're, they're, they can't take a lot of hits, but man, can they dish it out. And there's always a lot of them. Yeah. Those small pieces, so they kick out a lot of attacks. So that was my thinking going into it. Yeah, I, like I said, I was surprised. It was nice to see a heavy infantry elf list, though. I mean, because you just had, you had a huge block, block, block of uh, uh, white lions, a huge block of phoenix guard. You know, uh, a couple of shooters, but there was, and you, and you did have the big block of spearmen. I mean, they were just they were a techless bunker, but it was nice to see big blocks of infantry on the floor like that. It was pretty cool. So, um, cool. so what was your what was your list, and what was your thinking going into it? I did take Thorgrim Grudgebearer because um, I wanted to field him. Um, the thing is, and and this is like when I started writing the list, I I, I wanted to take him just to take him because I own the model and he's cool. Um, but the fact is, I kind of had the feeling I was ninety percent certain that he wasn't going to get into combat. Like you didn't, you did not want to fight this guy, and I knew that. Mm-hmm. And I've played with, I've played against elves enough times to know that if you don't want to get into a fight, you can turn up a little bit. You're not going to get yeah. into that fight. Elves will typically pick, choose the combats they want to be in. Right. So I was pretty certain he wasn't going to get into it, this fight anyway. But I had him. Um, I had a BSB. I had three runesmiths and two master engineers. Uh, the runesmiths were there to take the runes of spell eating mm. instead of just spell breaking. Um, because I figured, uh, I, I, I knew there was going to be magic to be had. I knew that the high elves were going to, I mean, they're, they're strong enough with their magic where I'm not going to get to stop everything every turn. Mm-hmm. So the stuff that I do choose to stop, I, I have a 50-50 shot of removing that spell from the game, giving right. you less choices, getting rid of your best spells, hopefully. Um, I knew it could cripple the magic phase just enough to to to, to give me – or to take away your edge. Right. I didn't know that I would get the edge. Um, I didn't go you know, dice-stealing runes. I didn't go uh, banners – uh, to I it, like I said I didn't even take the banner I I was still only on a plus two, and you were casting at a plus five because your tech yeah that was a huge difference so I mean I knew that I was I mean I basically I had enough dice I was going to try to stop one spell a turn, mm-hmm. and when you threw the big one, uh that was that was where the 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 spell dispel rune and and hopefully yep. get rid of it that was the plan, master yep. engineers were just there to give the the bonus. Uh, the rerolls to the cannon and to entrench a couple of uh, war machines, mm. which I don't take them that often. The the master engineers, because I don't take a lot of war machines. Uh, but with with this size of a game, I did take I did I sort of doubled down on my mm. usual war machine allotment. Sure. Um, and the master engineers came in super helpful. I'm gonna I think I'm gonna have to find a way to squeeze them in more often. I, I think you have to. The war machines are so good, and the, those master engineers just make them amazing. I mean, seventy-five points to get them that three. You know, that's basically seventy points plus the rune of stone to make their armor save go to three up, mm-hmm. and just put them in there. And yeah, they they're good. Yeah. Um, two units of long beards. I went hand weapon shield 
Um, I now, why'd you do that? Well, strength four against toughness three elves. I don't need great okay. weapons. I'll take the, I'll take the, instead of the strength six with a five up armor save, I decided to go strength four with the four up six up. Mm. You know, get the four up and then the and the parry save. Um, I know you're getting to attack first. You're probably, uh, even though they're weapon skill five, so you know you're maybe hitting on fours, but you're definitely getting the rerolls with my initiative two. Right. So I knew you're going to hit first, and you're going to hit hard, and you're going to hit a lot. So I wanted them to stay. A little bit more durability there. Yeah, and I did go with the um, – I, I, I had thought about going with the jump it forward and get it up in your face, but then I'm like, but that completely defeats the purpose of the extra war machines. So sure. I went with the runes of stoicism to give make them stubborn. So once again, you're, you are going to kill – you're going to have to kill them to the man. To the model. Yeah, because yeah, oh, I'm – I'm stubborn on a nine, and Thorgrim Grudgebearer has the 18-inch range on his. So, I mean, I'm yeah, basically. That's, that's going to be rough. I'm yeah. on a rerollable 10 for most of these guys, so you're, they're not uh, going anywhere. Um, I didn't. I skipped hammers and went with iron breakers. Uh, I went with them with uh, Thorgrim because he makes his unit stubborn. Mm-hmm. So, once again, uh, strength four. With a three up, uh, five up save because their parry save with their special rule they get the five up parry save all the time, right? And the three up armor save. So I'm like, once I just this this unit has to live. Yeah, again, very durable. Um, two cannons, no runes. Mm-hmm. Two grudge throwers, uh, each with a rune of accuracy, so that I could reroll that scatter die. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had. I just threw the cheapest rune I could on the second one so they wouldn't have the same combo. Mm, right. And then a pair of organ gun, organ guns with no runes on them either. Mm. Wow. Organ guns are good. I didn't realize how good they're they were. They're not bad. Oh, yeah. They're they're amazing. And the, if you put that uh, engineer right by them, they just turn into grinders. I mean, they just decimate yeah. units. In fact, one of my biggest mistakes was I, I, I you know, I... I uh, because the cannons were at a more visible rate and right up on the hill, and I had a feeling you were going to mm-hmm. try to take them out first, I mm-hmm. entrenched them. I should have totally skipped that. And entre- Next time I'll know, entrenched the our, the organ guns. And for anyone who doesn't know, um, the Master Engineer can entrench one weapon. And basically, as long as it doesn't move, it's, uh, it's under hardcover for shooting and uh, minus one to hit in close combat. So yeah, that's that's excellent because you were shooting the, you were you were shooting at those all day trying to get rid of them and I think a, a minus two to your shooting at them to hit mm-hmm. would have would have made them last for flipping ever. Well, it probably would have forced me to shoot something else altogether. Yeah, uh, but I would yeah, and but they would have lasted and they were devastating. Yeah. Uh, and then I had four gyros and a, and one gyro bomber. Mm. So that was my list, and like I said, my thinking was basically the big blocks. I'd shoot you up and then. Uh, Basically, try to hopefully try to at least kind of pick my fights or keep mm. them close enough that if you were going to get into a uh, into an attack, that I could try to get in you and get in on the flank. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I think the in in the end, if you, so, I was trying to out magic your shooting is kind of you know the, the differences in strategies, and then whoever had the advantage once you hit combat that person would win those combats that's kind of what we're looking at right we both had the same plan exactly you yeah. were trying to magic 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 off the uh, war machines 
if you could, or shoot them off with some with your your, your bit of archers, mm-hmm. and then magic down my units so that when we get to combat, you had the advantage, and I was just softening up your units. Via shooting. Exactly. And it was funny because we both had the same plan, so we were both sort of hesitant to right. engage in the combat because none of us were really getting the upper hand with our plans. Mm. I got uh, to- I, over time, over time, you were getting the upper hand. I mean, your your shooting is, was more consistent, whereas my magic just, just didn't do anything. Well, I think it... Yeah, we might as well tell people. You started off your first magic phase was ten dice, but then it was yep. the next four were between four and six dice every time. Yeah, it was brutal. There was no. I think it was a couple of fours, a five, and a seven. And then your last magic phase was like nine, but by that time, you'd lost a lot of your Too much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that and uh, the spells that I did want to get off, you know, like the, the pit of shades or whatever. Even if it, I it, I did have the dice and I did manage to roll the casting value. I think uh, twice you, you did the spell eater. The spell eater, right? yeah. I, 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 you, you took away the spell. I took away two of them. that was debilitating. Uh, yeah. I, Shades and Purple Sun. The two ones that you had to get rid of are the two that you got. Yeah, the one because the other one you had was the, what is it, Dwellers? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that one was on strength, and that one I didn't even try to get rid of. I tried to get rid of Pit. It didn't get rid mm-hmm. of it the first time. You never Irresistible forced it. Right. Um. Well, I did IF my f- one of the early spells, which was um, Chain Lightning, which hit your War Machines, which ended up doing one wound. One wound as it bounced around, yeah. yeah. Um, but it was funny, because I got first turn, and both of my cannons on that turn rolled ones to wound. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hit your, I hit your uh, bolt throwers and rolled ones to wound them. Uh, on turn two, uh, my grudge thrower... Uh, Bullseye Techless in the head, and you yep. you failed your lookout to roll, and I rolled a one to wound him. Yeah, so, it was comedy. It was bad comedy. The round of ones you were rolling. I think I rolled over the course of the game five ones to wound with um one with the grudge throw on Techless's head and four ones to wound with the cannon. Yeah, it was ridiculous. It was stupid. So, um. It was it was it was a fun game though. I mean, you know, we sort of were feeling each other out. Um, yeah. You know, you know, we we were really sort of holding each other off. You took out all but one of my uh, gyros. Like I think by the end of turn one. Well, I have to go. You know, going into the game, my rope, my bolt throwers. It's it's tough with with dwarves because, especially with elves, because you've got the copters which are an immediate threat. Then you have the war machines which are always a threat. So which ones do you take out with your bolt throwers? Who do you target? Um, I figured, well, your bolt, your your copters are going to just decimate my infantry blocks. I have to preserve those to get into combat. So right. I'll shoot those first. So that's that's what I end up going for. Yeah, you took them down a lot. Um, I did manage to move them over and drop a couple of rocks, but it just really wasn't getting the job done. Do you find that is the rocks an option that you have to pay for? or No, it's just... Basically, you you can't march and use your steam gun. Mm. So basically on that first turn when you're marching to get into the back of the enemy's lines, mm-hmm. you fly over somebody, and I think it's only like once a game you can use it, if oh, I remember correctly. So, it, so it's, a, it's sort of a weapon of opportunity. Yeah. If I'm going to go full on, move my full 20 inches, I can still do an attack. It's not as good as the steam gun necessarily, but it, it can do something. Sure. You know, so 
I, I managed to do that on turn one, and then you were taking stuff just off the board. I think you peeled off, uh, yeah, a couple uh, wounds via the, the drop rocks, a couple wounds here or there. Yeah. Um, but basically, I think what this game was really coming down to was the organ gun was just doing beautifully. Ugh, um, yeah, and I went second, so my scouts had the opportunity to charge those organ guns, and I failed both charges. <laughs> if I had made, if I had made a one, I think the complexion of the game would have completely have changed because that would have denied you probably two, two or maybe even three rounds of shooting with that organ gun. Right, and and see, and I was stupid because those guys were closer, but they were such a small unit that I was like, oh, I can really do some damage to a bigger unit, and I ignored the immediate threat. That I was lucky. I would say one of the things that really worked was your unit of two eagles. Uh, it, it did. I, I liked it. Um, I think I might try that again in the future. It's it's you know it's a good way to get additional eagles in there. Uh, they get that many more attacks. And you did give them the upgrade that they had always I did. Swift first. Sense. Yeah, I'm, swift sense. I'm telling you, I I could have probably. I think that doubling your attacks. And your wounds like that, I could have taken, like when they hit those war machines and were moving down the line, mm-hmm. I would have been able to take them out eventually. Um, mm-hmm. But I, did, I couldn't because the extra attacks, I mean, you always manage to just do exactly enough wounds to get mm-hmm. them. You know, or else I had like the one guy left and I managed to do one wound on you and then you right. took him out the next turn. But yep. I think one wound is is much more devastating with one eagle than once you have two eagles. I just I managed to take one of the eagles out of your pair, mm. but then the next one's still there, getting into the it's next war there. machine, nope. getting into the next war machine. Nope. It was, uh, yeah, it worked. I think it worked really well. I mean, it really made the eagles. And they're always kind of a pain, but especially in the backfield, taking out small units. Oh, it. Mm. it I mean, I, I hate to sound stupid and say it made them twice as effective because. Uh, <laughs> well, well, more than twice because if you add in that reroll to hit, that's the key because they only have two attacks. And yeah, the weapons go five, but if you flub your your two attacks and your your thunderstomp, all of a sudden you're down three in your combat. You know, possible three in your combat run. So a little insurance with that reroll to hit is is nice. And that's where that's where it got me because you had the first unit. I mean, some, you know, four attacks with rerolls with the weapon skill five. So you needed threes to hit. So you were getting those hits in, and yeah. then you're like strength four. So if you wound, uh, they only got light armor. So those attacks are they just kill them off. So mm-hmm. you were hitting it, and you were just managing with the rerolls and stuff to get two to three wounds on each each time you hit a war machine. Yeah, and it was just like, oh, this sucks. Yeah, I, I think I do like the configuration. The the, the twin eagle is is kind of nice. It, if you use it, you know, a list where you have a dragon or something, you can use a twin eagle as a kind of a a feathery meat shield, so to speak, against yeah. cannon. Yes, yes, so. yes, you could. Um, I did, I did, I mean, the one gyro that lived with the steam gun was messing around with your back line with your uh, stuff. And the, gyro, the and the gyro bomber actually worked kind of well. Like, it hadn't worked that well for me before, but it worked kind of well. Yeah. I managed to get the bounce a couple of times and get the extra, the extra mm-hmm. secondary template attacks. So I kind of like that. Yeah, yeah, I think you did your, you used your copters very effectively, uh, you were focusing fire on Teclas's bunker, which was uh, giving me a lot of headaches because I had to do all these weird maneuvering just to keep, you know, try to keep Teclas safe. Yeah, uh, I, I think mean, you once... got that spirit block from thirty down to like eight or 
five or something. Yeah, but what was, what was annoying was once I got it from 30 down to about 15, you went and reformed them into one deep 15 wide. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't just sit there and, 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 and burn the whole unit. I could get a small portion of it. Yeah. And then you had your lookout, sir. So even if I went on Techless's side where he was, and then when I got it down to the point where I was getting close to where you might not be getting that lookout, sir, you just moved him out of the unit into your next unit. I was like, ugh. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, originally, I did that wide to get him closer to the unit that I wanted to move him into, which was originally the Sisters of Avalorn before they got shot up by that organ gun. Right. <laughs> so, so when they went poof, I was like, oh, then I have to go the other way to put him into this block of archers that was moving up on my left side. But it also served that dual purpose of making my steam gun much less effective because you were in a long single row. So that where it gets wide, it doesn't matter. The extra rows hitting things doesn't matter. And eventually, I mean, that unit wound up surviving the game with about five models left. And there you go. All the points for that you kept. Mm -hmm. So that was a a pretty... uh, but for, we basically, I mean, it wound up coming down to, you know, my iron breakers were sort or not my iron breakers, my, uh, my long beards were doing what they could, sort of trying to get into combats and hold things up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but where the big, where the big fight came down um, was with this, the uh, White Lions and Thorgrim's unit. Mm. And uh, yeah, so the, the Horde of White Lions, I think, was down to maybe 20 or so. Against your full strength uh, unit uh, with Thorgrim, they had the World Dragon banner in there too. So yeah. the uh, Grudge Throwers had the Rune of Accuracy, so I couldn't use the nice big template Grudge Thrower on that unit. Mm. Uh, you know, because it was a two up ward save, and then and then I tried to use it on the Phoenix Guard, except they got a four up ward save. So right, it well, really... I mean, you did the right thing. I mean, that's why those uh, those blessed. Uh, Organ guns were so critical to kill because those just devastate my white lions. Oh, Phoenix yeah. guard, they could probably weather it a little bit better, but certainly not the white lions. And I think you had two good rounds of shooting in against those white lions. And that proved to be the difference because eventually when the lions, decimated as they were, hit combat with uh, Thorgrim's unit, um, you know, I lost combat, but being stubborn, you know, I held. Yeah. But I put all the attacks I could on Thorgrim. And I think that first round of combat, I did three wounds to him. Yeah, you did three wounds to him in the in the one. Yeah, we didn't get together in that comp until like turn five, or, and the yeah, bottom like, of five, I think. You know, mm-hmm. the, the the you you went in, uh, or maybe I charged top of five, whatever. Um, you know, it's it was kind of weird. He has a two up, four up, and with your strength six. Mm. You know, string six, it became five up, four up, and man, I could not make a ward save. You know, the five up was hard enough, but failing a, a bunch yeah. of those four ups, that that hurt. Yeah, I mean, he t- he had, I mean, not, he has seven wounds. You did three in one round of combat, and you did mm-hmm. three in in, the in another round of combat, and uh, oh. so close, so oh, close, so to close. killing. <laughs> of course, it confirms what I thought originally was I was going to put Bugman in that unit. Uh-huh. And I, I took him out uh, in order to put in another runesmith. Okay. Um, which d- was good, too. But, you know, Bugman's got that thing where you can give, at the start of your turn, you could give back D3 wounds to any character in the unit. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. But, uh, yeah, basically, that was just driving me nuts. You were stubborn. I was trying to kill you. I'm stubborn. You're trying to kill me. Uh, mm-hmm. You were putting extra attacks on Thorgrim instead of going for the unit. Um, mm-hmm. Well, moving. you know, it was at this stage of the game where you did two moves that I thought were very, very smart. 
Uh, one, you flew your surviving bomber to in front of my Phoenix Guard, who I had set up to flank charge Thorgrim's unit. When you when you set up that flank and you kind of you didn't move them up all mm. the way they could, you just kind of angled them. Yeah, I was just sitting there looking at it going, "Oh dear lord," because I was I thought you were going to move up as close as you could. I should have, but yeah. I didn't. And I was just like, please, please, please. And when we measured it, I had enough to get past you and be about two inches in front of you, and that's all I needed. Yeah, so that diverted me away from that combat, which I needed to get into. The other thing that you did was you you combat reformed from, I think, five or six wide to horde formation to get additional <laughs> attacks on my white lions. When you did that, I was like, oh, my white lions are toasts. Yeah, but um, um, surprisingly enough, I mean, they had a decent enough, you know, I mean, after the charge, I mean, you know, their Ironbreakers are only strength four. Mm. So you had heavy armor, so you were still getting your, your armor, and you made, you made a bunch of sixes on those rolls, too. The rolls went crazy. It was like, you know, I, you know, first we're rolling, I'm rolling ones to hit with my cannons, you're rolling three dice magic phases. You know, and then we get into combat, and you're doing just enough to hurt Thorgrim but not kill him. Um, and then you're making the the big saves on those guys when you right. need them. Because uh, I, but I get Although you, you were mowing down white lines though. I think at the end of the combat, I think I only had two or three white lines left. Oh yeah, I I no, I think you had. Didn't you just have? Weren't you at the last part? Weren't you down to one? I might have been. I, yeah. I forget because we uh, rolled up all those wounds, and I had enough wounds to kill you. And you're like, I need to make. Three saves. You needed three saves to still be. You did. I mean, you made exactly as many saves as you needed to to have that one model left. And how guy left. Yeah. Oh, God, it was so frustrating. But in the end, you know, the four thousand point game. What was the exact point difference? Uh, one hundred ninety-five points to uh, to the dwarves. Yeah, to the dwarves. But uh, I mean, I'm hanging on by one white lion here. Um, you had the five guys there. The five spearmen there. I mean, I was hanging on by a thread. Thorgrim down to one wound. Yeah. Um, that so, was, yeah, was, yeah, was, was going to be bad for me. Um, I think I think we both made a few tactical mistakes, but I think we we both sort of, you know, we both recovered from them pretty mm-hmm. well. Um it was just, uh, it was, it was, it was a great game though. It was tight. It was, it was exciting. Mm. Um, and the things, like I said, the, the, our heavy hitters, my cannons and your techless. Uh, the dice basically said, "Screw that! You guys are going to have to punch each other in the face." Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, I disagree. I think uh, the dice said, "Yeah, we're going to we're going to give it to the dwarf shooting," because, um, uh, like well, I said, yeah. the. You know, you're, you're decimating the White Lions, took away those attacks that I was trying to put on Thorgrim, and he was only down to one wound, so that was the difference. True, true, but um, all those ones, I mean, how many times with those cannons I could have been going after characters or stuff? I mean, five ones with cannons to wound. I mean, your, your repeater bolt throwers, I mean, they should have been gone by the end of turn yeah, two, they, and they were there till turn five. Should have, yeah. Yeah, and they were, and those were the things that were, were were threatening my 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 uh copters. yeah my last two copters and uh, and stuff like that so i mean yeah granted those orcan guns are stupid good wow <laughs> now i know why Laro was like you 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 only take one oh boy i was like oh really right. yeah after playing this i can see the need to to really skimp other places and and squeeze a second organ gun into the list well, it's the 30 inches. You can reach out and touch someone. You don't have to wait. 
Right. But I could literally see going with cannon and two organ guns instead of cannon, grudge thrower, organ gun, even. I could. Cause it's, yeah, I can see that. It's just, I mean, though, the thing is that that grudge thrower has the range to really, really reach out. Um, but, right. But man, that that kapow that comes with this is is, yeah, is brutal. It's, it's, it is good, but yeah, that was a, a good game, and uh, we'll have to do another one. The elves are are not uh, going to sit idly by. Oh no, they shouldn't. Yeah, but it was amazing that Thorgrim Grudgebearer. And here's the other problem: is he has magic weapons, and you had the banner of the world dragon, mm, right? So I think he did one wound total. I think in the end, I think he did. I think you. I think you failed one. Of those Banner of the World Dragon attacks. And, I mean, he only has four attacks, but he hit and wounded with all of them. Because mm. he also has uh, ASF, and he had, the, he had the hatred. So the ASF's canceled, um, but he had the hatred. And, yep. um, you know, getting in there, getting the rerolls, all that stuff. Then that first round, the second round, he did all his hits, too. Because his weapon skills, he was hitting on threes. Uh, and it was just... it was It was ugly. I think... If he was actually hitting and doing some wounds, that once again, it's all these little what ifs. This game. Was, well, yeah. If, if the if yeah, if he didn't, if you didn't have the banner to contend with, then yeah, he's going to be doing that much more damage. Yeah. The thing is, he's only strength four, so he doesn't uh, pack as much of a wallop as I would have thought from a dwarf lord. And that's and that's my big beef with this whole book. I've been talking about it forever. My dwarf lords don't. I mean, unless you give them great weapons, and they don't, then they don't have magic weapons. Mm-hmm. Strength four. He was strength five on the charge, um, but his. If you're not wearing magic armor, he wounds you on a two plus always. That's that's his thing. He, he always wounds on a two plus magic armor. But he wounds on but a three it's plus. It's only a minus one to your armor, minus two if he's, he's charged. And that's the yeah. That's ex- the killer. Yeah, I I don't want to send him up against anything with a one up armor save. Screw it. Right. I mean, there's no. He, he's not going to kill anything. It's it's uh, it's annoying. Or, or any but. sort of. I, I mean, would you be feel comfortable with pairing up up? Uh, or matching him up against a, another army's fighty lord, like Grimgore, for example? I don't know. Maybe, because, I mean, he gets four attacks, and don't forget, he's also get four extra attacks from his... Uh, oh, from the, the guys. Yeah, so it's actually eight uh, attacks at strength four because of the throne bearers. But even then, it's still like, you know, blah, blah, strength four, mm. you mm. know, so mm. who knows? But it was a good well, let's game. Play it again. It was a. It's good. You could put. I'll put that down in my book of. Uh, I don't. Want to say, I can't say grudges, but uh, the Elf Book of Regrets. You should have won that one. I don't book know. Of bitterness. The Book of Bitterness. Well, I mean, I, 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 I didn't mean it insultingly. I meant it more as a. No, <laughs> right. the honest. You know, I mean, if you go by the fluff, the elves are sort of a dying race. They look back on yeah. their past glories. You know, they're not. Re- you know, it's and. As they dwindle, I you know this. Oh, we should have gotten those dwarfs. No, no regrets, just bitterness. <laughs> I'll, I'll slowly turn into a dark elf, and then we'll play again. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So, but all in all, it was a great game. Another good, fun, fluff sort of idea for a mm-hmm. game. So I, I, I did, and it was, it was, it was touch and go the whole time. Um, I mean, you said you're uh, what you had that scouting character with the super bow, not the scouting character. Who was the the other character that was with the had the bow and the potion of strength. Oh yeah, that was the uh, um, the handmaiden of the Everqueen. Yeah, and there she was with the bow that gets the extra shots, and she's got the potion of strength, and she finally yeah. takes it. I said, "Okay, she takes it, takes aim at that at that uh, at that uh, organ gun." All right, she jumps out from behind cover, 
boom, all those shots and rolled all ones and twos. Yeah, what a colossal waste. Oh. And then she probably got shot off the board. She took a cannonball to the face and died. Yeah. So it was a massive mistake all around. Uh, it was just, yeah. That but that whole the, game could have swung either way so many times. Mm-hmm. But we'll have to play it again. It was Absolutely. certainly a fun one. It was a fun one. And I, I did like playing, you know, you get at 4,000, you get to take kind of whatever you want. So it was pretty cool. So Yeah, yeah true. All righty. Uh, so, folks, uh, we're going to be back. And uh, we will now be coming back with uh, Greg Dan, our foreign correspondent. Talk uh, some Pompey Pillage. Playing a Pompey Pillage. Uh, going to report on that. And are going to complete our right brain, you know, tournament and strategy focus segment of the thing before getting into the left brain. So we'll be back. Very good. Check out that guy in the Garage Hammer shirt. Who cares about him? Look at that guy with the Garage Hammer hoodie. That's right, guys. Nothing tells the ladies I'm one of the gaming elite like garage wear. So hurry to garagehammer.net slash store, and soon you'll be the guy at game night that all the gamer chicks are talking about. Remember, boys, first you get your gear, then you win all your games, then you get the chicks. That's right, boys. The only gamers we notice are in Garage Gear. And we're back, joined by our foreign correspondent, Greg Dan. How are you, Greg? How are you doing? I'm okay. How are you doing? Wonderful. Yeah, Excellent. well, geez, it's nice to have you back on the show. I don't, I, I got to have to go look in the show history to see when the last time you were on this podcast was. Because, you know, including this now, Greg's on three podcasts now. Yeah. I'm recording five podcasts this weekend. <laughs> five? So after Eleanor, the Imperial Truth, which is your new one. Yeah, um, uh, I'm going on the Overlords. We're going up for a bit of a Horus Heresy gaming day. Mm. And um, uh, I'm going to do some saucy stuff with Dan Helen. Oh, very nice. Going yeah. on the saucy even. Ooh, look at you. It's very ex- exclusive yeah. members only uh, club there. No kidding. People got to pay to listen to you now. Uh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> How disappointing that will be. <laughs> So, uh, for people who don't know, um, I mean, our listeners know the after Eleanor because I've I've talked it to death. But um, why don't you let people know real quick what Imperial Truth is, Chris? Uh, Chris, uh, Greg. Uh, the Imperial Truth is the first and only, at the moment, uh, Horus Heresy exclusive podcast. So we talk about anything to do with the Horus Heresy models, gaming books, novels, whatever, really. So. Yeah, it's, it's only started, but it's um, cracking on. So you're basically a 30K podcast. Essentially, yeah. The um, the only one. I think that some guy did one episode once of a purely 30K podcast. He's but, since been purged. 
Well, yeah. <laughs> the Exterminatus. Right. I am the greatest 30k podcast in the world. Yeah. <laughs> well, there is True that choice. other one where they just talk about the books. But, uh... Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's not, you know, it's not, it's not quite the same. That yeah. American guy's a prat, so... I've got the first and second greatest 30k podcasts. It's <laughs> your corner of the market. There you go. That's it. It's I'm easy sure to be the favorite when it's a when it's a field of one. I'm sure someone else would jump on the on the wagon and take it over, but they can't take away the fact that we were the first. Yes, yes. There you go. All right, so Greg, um, you came on today because you were a big wiener uh, in uh, in a recent tournament, and of course, you know, time to brag. Yeah, somehow, <laughs> big trophy. So you won Pompeii Pillage. Yeah, Pompey. Pompey? Some people say Pompey. Yeah, it's short for Portsmouth. Oh, it's P-O-M-P-E-Y, not E-I. Oh. It's short for Portsmouth? Yeah. So Portsmouth, the town on the south coast, you know, is affectionately called Pompey. Huh. Okay. It, is- it scans better in uh, soccer songs and stuff like that and things like that, so you get to call it Pompey. Oh. Interesting. I had no idea. <laughs> Really, I just thought they spelled Pompeii wrong. I'm like, okay, they're just... <laughs> That's more of a logic than that. Uh, hmm. All right, so Pompey Pillage. Um, what, how many people? What, uh, what, give, us, give us a lowdown on this tournament. For those of us in the U.S., at least, uh, and the other listeners who aren't in the U.K. who don't know about it. Cool, yeah, the Pillage is it's an event that used to be around and came back a few years ago. It's now held in the same venue is the south coast gt so uh there's a lot more room because there's a there was 70 players for the warhammer they also had a 40k tournament and an ancients tournament going on as well in the same venue over the weekend but yeah we had i think it was just over 70 players for warhammer okay Um, they came up with their own scenarios uh which were generally based around Scenarios. Well, actually, no. Were, some were based around scenarios in the book, and then there was a the kind of objective in the scenario gave you tournament points rather than points that affected that direct, you know, rather than affecting your opponent. So, like table one was just um, a, a good old American scenario. It was just a, a battle, uh, straight out battle line, but each object, each terrain piece was worth a, tra- uh, a tournament point. Oh, uh, okay. Blood and glory. But if you broke your opponent first, you got so many tournament points. If they broke you, then afterwards they got lesser amount of tournament points. I like uh, that. Sn- uh, capturing a supply cart in the centre of the table, and then holding on to it till the end of the game. A supply um, cart, so we take the building issues out of Watchtower, basically. You can move the supply cart. Hmm. Oh, cool. <laughs> Anything that wasn't uh, any unit that had it, I think, became stubborn or something like that. It didn't really affect my game. Um, but if it wasn't infantry, it couldn't march, and flying units couldn't fly, and things like that. So, yeah, there was a bit, and any unit that fled automatically dropped it, things like that. But it gave a central something to fight over. I like it. Nice theme. Yeah, it's uh, interesting, certainly. Um, four was Sunday morning, so it was fairly simple. Uh, it was table quarters were worth tournament points and game five was a watchtower but it was six turns and the watchtower was a haunted watchtower 
So for people mm-hmm. who don't, that does D6 strength one hits no armor saves to every unit within six inches at the start of each player turn. Strength one hits? Strength one hits no armor saves. So enough to be annoying. Uh, well, it depends what you've got. Mm-hmm. <laughs> got five, five, you know, I, in that game it started to take wounds off toughness six stuff. For me, you know, Noblars mm-hmm. was, there was plenty of them, but yeah, so there's, a bit, a bit different. Um, trying out some different things um, in general works okay, and getting those getting those objectives was key if you wanted to do well in the tournament. All right. How many points was Poppy Village? It was twenty five hundred. Twenty five hundred. Okay. There are some general composition kind of things. Uh, a, a lot of relaxation. Where a year and a half, two years ago, we had. Look out! So many lookout sirs and all this. They were restricted down to one, I think. I'm trying to remember now. It's a couple of weekends ago, um, and the army composition, the individual army composition, was minimal. Uh, say my ogres, I could take a hellheart or a dispel scroll, and no unit of ogres could have more than nine models in before characters, things like that. And that was it for ogres. Um, uh, yeah, so it was there was there was just a, a touch of comp, if you will, um, and then there was a decent chunk of painting points. So there was a maximum battle points of a hundred and thirty scenario points, thirty painting points, thirty sportsmanship points. So it was a, 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 it wasn't all about smashing face. Sort of a well-rounded tournament, then. I like it. Yeah, yeah. They they tried to create something that was a little bit kind of. Quite cross Atlantic, you know, didn't quite go the full way of some of your tournaments, but certainly about six, seven years ago, the British tournament scene. Well, you've recently had a lot of success with your all corn, no magic uh, demon list, so it should come as no surprise that you chose ogres for this uh, particular event. <laughs> Could yeah. you tell us a little bit about how that happened? Yeah, I've used that corn demon army. Almost, I think I've played about 70% of my games with the Army since November last year. Um, taking them to most of the tournaments, took them to America, and I used them in a tournament a month ago. Um, I finished 11th in that tournament with them. And just fancy to change, basically. Um, I, my thoughts going into the tournament was I, I wasn't too worried. I was just going to have fun. Um, and the Wood Elf book came out, and I was like, oh, they could be a problem for Ogres. Um, and I played them with my demons and won a game. And I was like, yeah, okay. We'll see what the Ogres can do. I'm going to have to rewrite my list a little bit for the Ogres. So I took a, like, the quickest, quickest multiple-drop Ogre army I could kind of do with the models I had and just try and see how it worked. And I won two practice games which don't, didn't mean a lot, to be honest. But I hadn't played any Wood Elves, so I was a bit worried that... Because there's a lot of talk about the Wood Elves at the, you know, on the scene. Um, I knew it wouldn't be huge amounts of the tournament, but I think there ended up being about three or four players, which was about... You know, I thought there'd be about ten. Do you find, in general, that uh, the number of Wood Elf players that you'd expect to see is less than what actually shows up? Um, I've only been to two tournaments. I can't remember the last one. I think I didn't. Ex- I don't expect them to be huge numbers. Um, but yeah, it has been slightly less bearing in mind some people's um, penchant for using 
counts as armies mm. with ourselves. Uh, in fact, the game, the last game I played at Pillage, the guy had a wood elf army that was u- being used as a dark elf army. Hmm. Was it that way? Yeah, yeah. So I played against dark elves. There were wood elf stuff in it um, that was being used as a dark elf army. Yeah, that seems to be happening a bit. Counts as armies, or and I haven't necessarily got a problem with that. Yeah. Um, I say I thought we might see a few more than we than we have on the scene. Is all. Yeah, at, at Blood in the Sun, we didn't see a single Wood Elf player, which I, I found surprising. Um, I think it's I found thing. a telling bunch of pansy Wood Elves. Hey, I got Wood Elves. I'm just teasing. Before I get a hate mail from Domus. Yeah, it's I, they're not. I mean, they're one of those armies that everyone kind of likes, but actually, if you look at the numbers of how many people play them, generally, and I mean probably in garages as well. Um, like Skaven, there aren't a huge amount. The, the, the core is really hardcore. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, there isn't. Whereas almost everyone, you know, picks up some Warriors of Chaos stuff. Just you just do it in, in the hobby at some point, <laughs> you know, or, or something like that. Or they've all got a bit of Orcs and Goblins somewhere, or Dwarfs. The amount of people with Dwarf armies they haven't used in ten years, things like that. Um, whereas some armies don't get that. I think Wood Elves, Bretonians, Skaven don't attract it quite as much. Well, the players, uh, I suppose, follow just like the Wood Elves. They're there, but they're hard to find. (laughs) So anyway, so Greg, tell us uh, about your matchups and how the games went down. I'll go through my list. Yeah. I'd say I've been using the kind of stand-back and shooty ogres for a while because of demon princes and things like that. Um, So I, I tried something different. I had a tyrant. He had a trickster's helm, the other trickster's shard, and a five-up ward save. A great weapon. And my hope was he was like the last resort for a demon prince. What's the trickster's helm do? um, Reroll all successful wounds against him. At toughness five, he is. Okay, so they got to reroll successful wounds against you, and then the the shard, they got to reroll their successful ward saves. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a bad combo. Um, Yeah, in theory. (laughs) My dice... (laughs) That one aspect, I, I think, over the whole tournament, I think I made like nine nine re rolls of ward saves, and like seven of them were successful again. It was just you know some stupid kind of. It's just one of those things where it actually didn't work that well in that tournament. I had a battle standard with a nobler thief stone, which was my favourite item of the weekend, and a rock eye. Now the thief stone, which every single person I played didn't know what it did, gives you magic res two. And there's a chart in the ogre book, and you roll a dice, and on a naught you don't get anything. On a one you get a six up ward save. I can't remember what two is. Threes a five up ward save. Fours something else. Fives uh, the ruby ring of ruin, and six is a talisman. Uh, is the is the four up ward save. And not only do you get that item for free, but if any of those items are on the table in either army, those people lose them. Mm. So if you roll a six and get your four-up ward save, if that other person's given their level four or four-up ward save, they now haven't got a ward save. Oh. And it's... Um, I've never... I've not heard of this item. Yeah, yeah people don't take it because I mean, at the end of the day, it's 45 points. So 45 points, you could just get magic res three. Oh, yeah, it's a little too random, I think, for 45 points. But the payoff potential is huge. Um, yeah, and it, and it affected one game quite well. <laughs> uh, and then I had a fire belly with... Um, but, uh, two fire bellies then, um, both level two, one with a hell heart, one with a ruby ring of ruin, and the gold sigil sword to make him initiative uh, 10. 
Very nice. Uh, core was seven iron guts, three units of noblars, and five ogres with uh, iron fists. And then I had three units of two mourn fang, one with a banner, because banners were important for capturing objectives, things like that. Mm-hmm. Two single saber tusks and three yetis. And I had two iron blasters. Yetis. One, one unit of three those. yetis? Sorry? One unit of three yetis or? Unit of three yetis, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're not, not gorgeous, they're yetis. <laughs> Again, every single person, I think, I think every opponent went, yetis, they can uh, move through terrain, right? And I was like, no, that's the old book. And then I had to check myself. <laughs> you just don't discuss. <laughs> but their, their movement seven was Swift Stride, and the whole point of the army was if I come up against something like Wood Elves, then I can put the Iron Guts kind of wide, I can put the Ogres wide, and I've got two... And it, it worked the first game, actually, I, I played Skaven. I'll kind of describe what I did against the Skaven. I played a guy called JJ, who's a local guy. I've played him three times before, I think, and I've beaten him, well beaten him on all three occasions. Um, and it was a bit of a ribbon. <laughs> we were having beforehand, and he decided to try and split the Skaven army because it was all infantry. Skaven. Mm, that's right. a good matchup for you then. Mournfang. Just you know, he had yeah. two great spears, you know, and you know there's going to be a couple of tricks in there, but yeah, unless he can like get a direct hit with a cannon shot or something like that, he had one cannon, and the rest is infantry Skaven. So he tried to split his army up into two corners, thinking I could only deploy up to say half half the table width. Mm-hmm. So my ogres, instead of going three wide, were about six wide. And then the unit of ogres went down five wide. <laughs> Jeez. I put a cannon on a 12-inch line, one in one corner, one slightly in from the side. You know, uh, two, um, <clears throat> two units of Mornfang with them. Another unit of Mornfang. Three Yetis. I say, they move seven. They're Swiss stride. Mm-hmm. I'd covered almost the whole of the six-foot length of the table with dangerous units. Yeah, I'm, I'm spreading my arms out as you describe it. And I'm almost... Uh... It, it no, literally. I had, I had. I was one inch from the edge, with a, with one side was a cannon, one side was two Mornfang, and the Noblers were interspersed occasionally, um, and it it was there was no more than three inches between any unit at any one point. And he, was, he suddenly realised about halfway through the deployment, it was like, oh shoot, <laughs> and and I won first turn, and everything went forwards at least yeah. twelve minutes. Oh. Uh, that's that's some sharp deployment, though. That's I like that. Well, I, I, I say I'd only played two games with it. I was really I, I'm I, I'm I'm not that bothered with kind of trying trying too hard for tournaments anymore, kind of thing. Um, I think actually just playing the demons and that that I know well, and the warriors army where I use the all fast cav slanesh army, um, it's really helped me generally in Warhammer because you can't afford to make too many mistakes with them. So, yeah, it, it just kind of looked at it and kind of went, oh, actually, I can do this, this, and this. This was kind of the idea anyway, was to rush, a, rush the elf armies, maybe. But, yeah, that game didn't go well. Um, we actually ended up playing on one of the hottest days of the year, and that place was just boiling. There was, you know, many of us, there was just sweat streaming down faces. I made a few mistakes in that one, and... Kind of, I, I think I won seventeen three, and we both picked up one the terrain piece because um, I, you know, I just 
positioned something wrong and, and did something else wrong and couldn't quite get all his points and he got a few points off me that probably shouldn't have. But, but you know, first game of a tournament, I'd take 18 points out of whatever it was. Never going to complain at something like that. No, of course not. So then uh, how'd your next game go? <laughs> there's, um, there's a guy on the, on the English Warhammer scene called Terry Pike who's been running uh, a Kairos Fate Weaver Demon list for quite a while. Goes to a lot of tournaments. You know, knows what he's doing with the list. And at this tournament, you were allowed to bring one piece of special terrain. And his army was Kairos, four units of horrors, and then some Nurgle, you know, some flies, a couple of beasts, and two cannons and stuff. And um, this terrain piece was a wizard's tower. So the general idea being that at least three horror units and Kairos are within three inches of this tower and suddenly know all the laws. Which is just, Ouch. yeah, which is Kairos knowing every spell from every law in the book and Zinch, and the three horror units knowing the whole Zinch law. But, but luckily, mm. I won the table edge and managed to take that side of the oh. table. <laughs> Very nice. But um, I mean, this was this was that was a, it was a really cracking. We actually had a bit of crowd round as we finished. I think we were the last table to finish, or one of the last. That was hard work. I left Kairos on one wound at the end, Oof. and he. He had a couple of... Uh, both our cannons were failing to do anything. Um, the big scrap in the middle that my gut unit got mauled but won through. And I say, I, I missed out on one fireball, kind of... I was one fireball too few to take Kairos off and he had a few bits and ended up being uh, like a, a, a 11, 9, 12, 8. But I broke him the turn before he broke me. Oh, Oof, very nice. We had swung it to a seventeen nine, which you know a bit a big difference. But it's it's quite funny watching Kairos hide behind this building, not from cannons. He wasn't too worried about the cannons. He was worried about double fireball coming into his face. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a it was a cracking game, and it, it was hard work, real hard work, which really, <laughs> which really contrasts with game three, which this one was the. Uh, was there was a supply cart one in the centre of the table, and I was playing Warriors of Chaos. And uh, I've played the guy Lewis before. Lewis one is a really nice guy, and he had a Zinch level four on disc. And I'm like, oh, why couldn't you have taken a Demon Prince? I can kill Demon Prince. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Over the, yeah, decent. I don't, I don't think they were allowed the three up with the one up re-rollable at the tournament, but just the three ups can be, you know, some days you just don't fail them, do you? Mm-hmm. It's the nature of the beast. But um, everything went wrong for Lewis. Pretty much, it was it was just one of those games. You know, the hell cannon he had misfired and scattered ten inches on the next one. You know, I I took his BSB out of a unit with a cannon first turn and and moved forward and hell hearted and it just it wasn't. It, I mean, I think we got to turn four and he shook my hand because it was just a case of how long it took me to clear up the points. And I had a 21-point Sabre Tusk unit waiting to jump on the supply cart and drag that off. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd love to say that it was all because I played brilliantly. Um, but the uh, the game was kind of... Any, any kind of game we had, where I think I was doing quite well anyway, was kind of just pushed over the edge by, by dice, as you can have. Well, a little bit of luck always helps, right? Yeah, you, yeah. I mean, if you're going to do well in a tournament, you need a little bit of luck. Um, I'd say I felt I played it 
fairly okay. I was, you know, I was going to have to give up some points to get a lot of points, but, but say it was, um, it was, I mean, he made one mistake where he put his skull crushers right out on a flank and I just put my big iron gut unit down in front of them and pushed Mm. it. And just, I said, you know, accepting I'm going to lose a lot of ogres, but knowing that I will kill the skull crushers in the end. Um, you only need the one wound on one ogre to retain your points. Yeah. And yep. I mean, he failed his frenzy test in the first turn and ended up charging me. Um, did, did two or three wounds to the tyrant, um, which is a bit annoying. But, um, but yeah, as I say, it was, I felt the game was fairly under control, but you never know with a level four flying round and a hell cannon. It's true. But yeah, didn't need it, thankfully. And by this point, I think I'd forgotten the rock eye, uh, every turn. <laughs> Which I went for about three quarters of a year without using it, because um, I'm I'm skilled like that. <laughs> I don't I don't know why I, I even write it down. I've even had a friend next to me on a table. And I kept telling him to remind me to use it, and I, I still keep forgetting to use it. <laughs> That's so, why like, you have all those strings on your fingers. Yeah, I write that stuff down on my lists in the margins now. Fear check, oh. just on the side. <laughs> I've got a notebook, and I write a page per game, basically. And right at the top on game four, which is Sunday morning, and I was feeling rough Sunday morning, and it was just as hot as it was. And the two guys, Andy Adams, who I played here, and, and Tom Uden, I played in the last game, were really good with me, because I was just making silly errors, like what weapon skill people are. It was little things like that, just because of the heat and my headache and things like that. And the Ugh. first thing down on this page is rock eye in large letters right at the top of the page. But we played them. Um, that fourth game was uh, the table quarters. And he was another Warriors of Chaos player. And he had, a, he had a Lord on disc who I was even more worried about than the level four. I was like, oh, this, this, this could be dodgy. He had two chimeras and BSB on demonic steed and chariots. And it was like, okay, pressure, pressure's on. You know, <laughs> he just put it right in front of my face, and I was like, oh, "Okay, right." Because this this scenario had this was the one scenario where they I think they got it wrong. The deployment zones were up to twenty four inches onto the table, but you couldn't b- deploy within twelve inches of an enemy unit. Twenty four inches deep on yeah. either side. Yeah, so essentially half a table. So whoever wins the roll would put their unit down in the middle of the table, and then the other guy's got to be back. They box them out. 12 inches away so it pushes you to a corner and I wasn't too bad I wasn't too disappointed in taking a corner because it limits how much stuff can come at me but he was you know he was still in my face it's like and I know a couple of people had major issues with this scenario Bretonian my friend Bretonian players Lance almost didn't fit in you know <laughs> hmm. what happens in the event of certain units can't fit in would they come on as reinforcements you always have enough space because you've got your normal uh. 12 deployment zone but when someone's only then 12 inches away it's um it, it just, the action. just seemed to favor the armies that can do combat mm. um, but the, i understand why they did it and i think the idea is good the execution just needs a little bit more thought on it um but mm. yeah this this chaos army's come charging at me this bsb's in combat with some noblars who held when i didn't want them to is always the way and um and I'm like, I remembered the rock eye. I actually remembered it. I was like, what's your lord got? And uh, 
he's got he's got a five up save, five up ward save, and the flaming uh, the hellfire sword, which does flaming d6 wounds. And up till this point, I was like, "That's all right. I can charge him yeah. with this. I can hold him off, and I can win on combat res, and he'll run away." As soon as he said hellfire sword, I was like, "Oh no, 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 no! Yeah. <laughs> That's really not happening." It changes the uh, changes the plan a little bit there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was the one game as well. I fully explained what was going to happen with the uh, with the Noblar Thiefstone because I'm looking at two warriors characters riding you know, who who are standalone models, but one of them's got a four out ward save. So I was like, you do not want this dice to roll a six. <laughs> six. I was like, ooh. And he poker-faced me quite well, to be fair. So I was just desperately trying to find out where the four-up ward save had disappeared from. <laughs> it was his BSB. So his BSB on Demonic Steeds just running around with a um, one-up save or something. And it's like, all of a sudden, it's like, I've got two cannons, you know. <laughs> and I only actually got to shoot him in turn five and the cannon misfired and couldn't fire for the rest of the game. Oh, <laughs> so man. Yeah. Five, but it, stops, it stopped him really pushing at me, mm-hmm. taking that four-up ward off of him. He couldn't go anywhere near my characters. But this was, this was a game where I was, for three turns, I thought I'd lost. I thought I was going to lose. Simple as that. And then kind of turned it round, got some sneaky charging here and there. And, and my magic was awful. I ended up throwing my dice cap at the wall. <laughs> No, no, none of that now. Okay, we're moving on to the next game. Dice cup, it, dice throwing and dice cup throwing. we got to move along. In a jokey manner. I was <laughs> laughing as I did it. I was just like, you know, I had one of those magic phases where you're like, right, this is the turn. I'm getting some spells off now. He right. failed to dispel the first spell. My ruby ring of ruin, he failed to dispel with his level two. Oh, wow. That's opened up the phase, and I, I don't think I did a wound. Chris had six turns like that last night, so we're just going to go right past... The bad magic phase. Moving on. Moving on. But, yeah, so, um, but in the end, I actually ended up taking this 23-3. Because um, at, at that point that he was ready to try and come at me and I was trying to manoeuvre and do some stuff, um, the cannon took off his lord. Um, oh, which is man. always a problem when you're flying around on a disc. Oh, yeah. Uh, and again, my gut star is ready to take out the skull, skull crushers and, mm-hmm. and delayed him with some other bits and pieces. So... It was, a, it was a really good tight game, but um, have I, I find that's that's the best part of the game is how dramatic the swings can be because it it always keeps you engaged if you can just hang on and. You're right, and also I think I honestly think that I mean, I, I've been to a lot of tournaments where for that first turn I've not concentrated, and then I've realised I've deployed wrong and I've moved wrong, and I'm like, oh shoot, I'm really up against it now, and actually that's when I play my best Warhammer. I really kind of. I end up fighting back, and I'm like, right, I've got to concentrate. Got to do this. Got to do that. Got to do this, and um, end up getting like a draw out of a situation that I shouldn't have got a draw out of. And I'm like, I do that occasionally, and I'm like, yeah. So in this case, I think that was a little bit of that. I was like, right, got to get my game on. Cool, but, but it was good. It was good. All right, real quick, I'm going to interrupt here. We're at, that was game three, right? I'm just making sure I'm game keeping right. All right, we got about eight minutes to get the last two games in. Because Chris has to get back to work, and I'm on, a, I'm on a time limit, so I'm not trying to rush us. I just we promised Chris that was game four, right, Greg? Game four, yeah. Oh, that was game four. Okay. See, I was, I was, I was there was so much going on. I got a little distracted. So that's right. I hate to be rude. I just wanted to make sure we're on target. Look, I'm the one who's saying stay on that's target. Right. So, who the so we'll, hell? we'll we'll just transition right back into sure. It, so. we'll transition right back into it. Okay. So the fifth and final game, Greg. 
Highland yeah. Games look for you? Last game was on table three. This took me up to table two with um, Tom Harris was leading the tournament, we knew, and, and um, Dom Hook was next to him on table one. And I've looked down to see this dark elf army, which had two bolt throwers and big unit of black guard, not, not nice, couple of warlocks and uh, the peg rider, the obligatory peg rider, and then Marathi. And I was like, oh, here we go. Mm. On death magic, rolls purple sun. Oh. Yeah. But um, Tom made one, Tom Uden, really nice guy. He made one mistake that actually kind of cost him the game at the start or made it a lot harder. And he put his bolt throwers on hills. But those hills were the only places he had to hide his peg riders behind. So with my ability to move six inches to the side, I actually got two cannon shots aiming at bolt throwers with peg riders behind them. Oh, geez. It's like the... Talk about alignment of the stars. Yeah, I understand why he did it. Um, and I I must admit, I did say to him, look, I'm going to aim 10 from the back of the bolt thrower. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to start trying to hit, avoid him and hit it straight on. Um, and I, Marathi made a ward save, but the other peg rider actually panicked off the table before, mm. before we even rolled for the cannonball, I think. Um, so, um, yeah, that, that helped a lot. Um, I, and I gave him a long charge with his black guard, which he took into a unit, one of my two Mornfang units, um, and tried to kind of run past me, which I didn't mind too much because it allowed me to bring both my fire bellies around and use both their breath weapons in one turn on all the black guard, mm. which I, I very rarely use my breath weapons in combat. Um, I tend to find that they do so much more outside of combat. Oh, yeah, you, I think you get... you get a better coverage with the template oh big time I think I took out three quarters of the unit of Blackguard <laughs> in one shooting phase well I had one fire belly facing down the side of them and one in the front mm. um, so yeah I mean you're hitting 30 odd yeah toughness three guys that's the TV way to do it spamming out the stuff you just ugh. I mean I've, I've done it with Throg down um, <laughs> I'm just White. teasing and that's that's fun because that's just twos and take them off um, it used to be so. You know, with the the prevalence of dark elves and, and how good of an army they are, uh, I, I do find some satisfaction when they uh, when they get their medicine, so to speak. Yeah, well, <laughs> I took the fire magic was to try and hit you know get the fireballs out and the small units they had to dr- drag them down. But but yeah, so that that knocked the black guard down and, and Tom used them and did some stuff with them. They had a character in them. Um, and it took till turn six to actually before I killed the very last black guard because, quite rightly, when he only had five or six left, he put him in a conga line. So, characters at the front, and you know this is where my tyrant's supposed to do his thing and not take any wounds and hurt people. And he was in three rounds of combat with a dark elf hero. You know, <laughs> just wouldn't die. In the, I say in the end, a, a cannon came back round the turn after it shot Marathi and killed her. Yeah, I finally got a shot off on her. It came around and, and swept up those points. And again, Mornfang, other Mornfang got into Witch Elves and kind of got my matchups right. And a, a lot of that's down to the speed of the army. Um, the Yetis went off and killed stuff um, and ended up picking up the Watchtower and um, a 17 3 win as well. Um, and luckily, nice. things on the top table went just right for me and I won the tournament by one point. Outstanding. Um, wow. So, yeah, wow. 
it was it was good and initially we looked at that one point and it was because tom didn't get a painting point but i was 200 vps more than him as well so mm. i would have sneaked it on the vps as well but yeah, it was a cracking tournament i mean i'm i got third most vps which is really unusual for me so i kind of adapted to my army a little bit better than maybe i have done in the past um the yetis were amazing <laughs> <laughs> So just refresh my memory. The yet- Yetis, are they the scouting or ambushing unit? Nope. Those are the Gorgers. No, the Yetis are... Oh, okay. They're immune that, to ice magic or whatever the hell it was. It used to be. A movement 7 with a swift stride. Any model in base-to-base contact is minus one weapon skill. And they've got strength 5 magical attacks, four attacks each. But they're flammable. Which is the big thing yeah. that puts it off. But, I mean, Kairos took a fireball just because of the Yetis. But they were they were in combat turn two with horrors and all of a sudden when horrors are weapon skill two you're hitting them on threes they shrink five you know it took me a while but i went through them um but it's just kind of the pace in in the practice game uh, the first practice game i had i charged them into a screaming bell and took a seer off Hmm. Um, it's just i'm prepared to lose them they're 140 odd points Mm -hmm. i think two points um and they you know magical attacks if i do come up against anything ethereal they're, they're another tool for that um they were just they were just really good actually. It was uh, they were great fun to use because again people don't see them. So I think they, they maybe underestimate them. I mean they're they're cheap throwaway unit that that uh, hit actually quite well. Terry was one of the few who kind of went. Oh, I need to deal with that because I mean if they got into Kairos, they would have ripped him apart. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's when you've got three more. The whole idea of the army was you've got three Mornfang units coming at you. And there might only be twos, but. You know, which elves even struggle to deal with one if there aren't huge numbers. You've got those three moving towards you, and then they can move eight inches, you know, 16 inches a turn. The Yeti can move 14 inches a turn. Uh, the Ogre's moving 12, the other Ogre's are moving 12, and the cannons are kind of bringing up, monitoring the back um, with the saber tusks around to, to lead off. Um, it worked in that environment. Whether it will work again the same way at another tournament, and whether it's even any good against Wood Elves, I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> but, you know, I, I took the Hell Heart. Um, I, I kind of mix my flip and flop between the Hell Heart and the Dispel Scroll. Uh, this tournament, the Hell Heart, didn't actually do a huge amount. Um, it just missed Kairos by like two inches and didn't do the last game. It, nothing to write home about the fire magic. I can't really remember how much I killed with the fire magic. It wasn't much at all. Um, which is always going to be an issue with having two level twos on fire. Sometimes you're limited with targets and sometimes it's just ice and things like that. But they're always there jumping out with their breath weapons, which is always... Yeah, contributing in other ways. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Getting in the way. That's always a good one. <laughs> Run out and start. Well, congrats, Greg. I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah, I, was up, I mean, to be honest, to say at the start of the year when I decided to take armies I want to take rather than trying to go and take the army I think can do the best, um, I was like, fair enough, I'm not going to compete that that well at any tournaments anymore. But, you know, I think maybe a bit more relaxed and everything as well helps. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. it shows playing with a, sub, a subpar army as well. If you do it right and if you work at it, it can really improve your Warhammer. When when suddenly the army's not working the game for you and you have to work the army. It sharpens your, your skills and your thinking. Yeah. yeah, big time, big time. 
Absolutely. Well, listen, if we ever get around to it, we'll have you back on on one of these episodes to talk about, wherever we get to talk about demons, about how you run that corn demon list. Because I know it's a little different than other people's, especially since you don't seem to engage as much as other people would with the corn demon list. So we will definitely have you back on to uh, to talk to us about that. But uh, other than that, man, listen, um, any anything else you got to say about the tournament before we wrap up? Um, it was really good. If anyone's listening in the UK, you know, the, the Pompey Village is a cracking tournament to go to. I had five great games. The Everyone there was was really cool. Um, I mean, it was just a typical tournament experience, to be honest. It was, it was fabulous. Cool. Love. Excellent. Well, David, we should book our tickets now for next year. So. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> I can't get out of state. You've got to be out of the country. <laughs> Oh, dear Lord. All right. Well, listen, Greg, thanks for coming on. Thanks for bringing back. Everybody, Greg, Dan, listen to Imperial Truth if you get a chance and you're interested in 30K. And, of course, he can be heard with yours truly on After Ulanor. Um, and uh, I've learned Andy Sherman for the amount of podcasts we're going to have together. <laughs> I blame Andy Sherman for everything. That's okay. Nice. <laughs> well, congratulations, Greg, and uh, looking forward to continued success out there in the UK. Thank you very much. Right. Take it easy, brother. <laughs> Thank you. Right. And, folks, we will be right back. Yeah, this is Sigfall, the Magnificent, and you're listening to Garage Hammer. After the show, I'm going home with the fat one. Mm. All right, Greg, before you leave real quick, um, Chris jumped off real quick. He had to take care of something, so it's just me and Greg, folks. But, Greg, um, before we can let you go, we almost forgot, we have to play uh, Would You Rather. So are you ready? Always. All right. Would you rather play, not against, but play as, High Elves or Dark Elves? Dark Elves. Any reason? They have more fun. They have more fun. You mean uh, just, I mean, literally on the table-wise, or just you like their fluff better? Both. Um, (laughs) I I really like both the books, um, but I just a little bit like more the Dark Elves. Just the monsters are a bit more fun, things like that. Okay. Now, here's here's our little uh, hobbyish question. Would you rather be someone who is just a basic tourney standard painter, you know, basic, you know, get your full pain points, uh, basic tourney standard and be really fast or be a consistent best, you know, best painted nominee, not always winner, but sometimes, you know, um, but be really, really slow. Basic and fast every time. Basic and fast every time, huh? Someone can make me paint three times the speed I do now, but not get any better. I'll take it. <laughs> I, know, I know how long it takes to paint, you know, armies that win awards. It's like, ah, oh, that's fine. Okay, fair enough. Um, and last question. Would you rather... Tell a Bretonian knight that he'd be better served with a bow and arrow than with his sword, 
or serve substandard ale to a discerning yet irritable dwarf? Mm, that's a tricky one. <laughs> both. You, you can't pick both. No? No. Why not? Why can't I serve the dwarf, dwarf as I'm telling the Bretonian? I suppose. That he should be wearing green as well. Because, you know, they'll both punch you in the face that way. So, um, I'd, I'd, it depends. It depends on the two people there and why you're telling them. If it's just two random people and you've got no connection, then I'd tell the Bretonian. But, yeah, it all, all depends. Well, you know, the Bretonian's in the fluff. If you, uh, I mean, they don't use bows and arrows because that's a peasant's weapon. That's insulting to them. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, if, if it was just two randoms who I had no history of, I'd tell the Bretonian. But, you know, if you really wanted to, you know, pee off a dwarf, that's his whole family's going to have a grudge against you. The <laughs> <laughs> Bretonian's more up themselves, I suppose, than, than a dwarf is, so. Okay. All right. Just had to, had to, had to throw the questions out there. All right, so that's excellent. Um, Greg, thanks for uh, playing with us. Do appreciate that. And um, we will be waiting, actually, to hear back from you soon as our foreign correspondent, as more exciting news breaks um, over there in the U.K. and in greater Europe. So, So, all right, Greg, um, I will let you go. I know you've got a lot of stuff to do, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Hey, folks, it's Dave. Are you looking for that special model to add to your army? A monstrous creature or maybe a character model? Something unusual that not everybody else is fielding on their table? Well, then you should check out Mears Miniatures at MearsMiniatures.com. Their Darklands line is full of some of the most fantastic creature models you'll ever see. And with the success of their recent Kickstarter, those models will be perfect for you to play in their forthcoming Darklands game. So whether you're looking for a new skirmish-level game to play with lots of cool monstrous creatures, or you're just looking for that extra special model to add to your existing games line, Mears Miniatures is really worth your time. Check them out at Mears-Miniatures.com. And seriously, guys, you'll be glad you did. Hey, folks. uh, Before we continue with the show... Um, we're running real long. Um, so, Chris, if we leave in the discussion we just had about painting, which is good, but is still, even though I edited it, is still kind of long, uh, show's going to be like three and a half, almost 340. So, you want to save that for next episode? Yeah, I'll hang on to it, and uh, it'll age with time. <laughs> so, we'll, like uh, fine wine the- or some yes. good cheese. There you go. Okay, folks, so sorry we promised you right brain, left brain. All you're getting this week is right brain. So <laughs> All left brain next time. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk, uh, we'll talk some more hobby stuff and, and things like that next time. But we're, we're going to save it just 
for the sake of time because it we're already hitting as long as we want to go. So um, we're going to just drop you back to uh, the final segment of the show right now. Um, so thanks for being patient and uh, understanding uh, about this segment. All right, and we are back. And, uh, of course, we can't wrap up the show without playing a little Would You Rather Ourselves. Would you rather? All right, so let's do it. Here, I'll ask you the first one because I know the answer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was kind of like a piles, of course. Like I said, I avoided saying would you rather play like Dark Elves or Wood Elves or something because Wood Elves Army is still kind of new, you know, and I don't don't think – I I haven't seen it enough to know if I would rather play that than the others. I mean, even though I have a Wood Elf Army and I kind of would. Well, yeah, I think you can still form an opinion based on the, the fluff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, fluff-wise, I mean, I've I've always been a partial to but I think of the two, and I think people know this with me as well, um, I think I'd go with the High Elves as well. Um, like I said, Dark Elves are cool, and they can be tough, and they've got the Warlocks and blah, blah, blah. Um, fluff-wise, I just, I can't, ugh. I mean, we talked about this uh, on the Dark Elf review. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I I look at Dark Elf, and even if I'm not playing the game, when I hear that the Dark Elves lose, I'm like, yay. Because somewhere in the back yes. of my mind, they're just like, yeah. they're evil. Ugh. They are evil. And uh, once again, and they've chosen it. They've chosen to be that as opposed to, like, demons who just, they are what they are. Or Skaven are what they are. Yeah. Exactly. All right, so number two. Uh, Tourney Standard. And when I say Tourney Standard, uh, I know Gary was like, well, I'd like to do lots of big conversions. You know, right. big complex conversions is not necessarily tourney standard. I know we're just talking about painting, but I'm saying, would you like to turn out just you know basic average tournament standard stuff and be able to crank it out? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Grant's is like I mean, Grant's is better than basic tourney standard. It is. I know he says it's just tourney standard, mm-hmm. but his is a his is you know he always gets all his points. He manages to get all his points sure. and do better than basic tourney standard. Yeah, it's, um, it's good, but the thing is, he's very fast. He cranks out an army in like oh, two weeks. <laughs> I was just like, I hate you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so would you rather do that, or would you rather be horribly slow, but and when I say, and once again, this is another point, when I wrote this one up, uh, best painted contender, that doesn't mean you always are a contender, but never win. I mean, you could win some, too, but you're always at least in the running. You may not always win, but you're in the running. Uh, oof, I I think for me, I'd, I'd rather be a tournament standard painter, but fast. Uh, only because if I'm con- if I'm consistently at best painted, but very slow, that means I'm running the same army year after year after year. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. I wow, this is, you know, I wrote this and I really thought I would it's rather a tough be. Question. I thought I'd rather be the horribly slow, but consistently in the in the top running, uh-huh. but. You know, I'm I'm getting annoyed that my dwarves are taking me so long to build that I can't do all these cool things with these wood elves or demons. So maybe I would yeah. like to crank it out. That, that's it. I mean, you only have so many years before the book, you know a new book comes out and renders all your stuff. Uh, you have to change your list of what you're painting. True. So. I guess I'm just looking at it as you know, hobby wise. I'm already I, I'm sort of at tournament. I'm not really fast, but I'm at tournament standard at a decent clip. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I, I keep looking to I want to improve my painting ability and I, I i guess i'd be willing to have to slow it down in order to be that guy i mean i've never been even in a nomination for a best painted you know and i guess mm-hmm. as a guy who's never had that nod um 
I, that's something I, you're striving for. Yeah, I kind of think I'd be willing to take it that slow if I had to in order to do it. But I okay. think you're kind of right. I think I think you're right. After hearing what everyone else said, I'm thinking tourney standard. You know, with the speed might be more practical. I guess since I don't play that many tourneys, that that horribly slow doesn't bother me at all. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's why uh, I, right, right. I I probably I think I probably would go. Like here I am flip flopping a million times. I think I'd go with that best painted and be horribly slow because I just don't care. I'm not worried about cranking it out because I don't go to that many tournaments. So yeah. I think I'd okay, go that fair way. Fair enough. There's no wrong answer. And would you rather? Yep. Um, so what'd you do? Would you insult the Bretonian knights because you know they they find it ridiculous that you would ever even use a bow and arrow? Uh, so you're going to insult the Bretonian knight telling him to use a bow and arrow, or you're going to give substandard ale to an irritable dwarf? Ugh, that's a tough one. Uh, snooty Knigget or a bitchy dwarf? See, I got a feeling if you insult the Bretonian knight, he'd just stab you. Just like the, the crow. Oh, I don't think he'd stab you. I think he'd like he'd smack you with his glove. Oh no! If he didn't just stab you, then he'd challenge you to a duel, though, because that's their honor. It's, they find it. If you read the fluff, it would be dishonorable for them to use. He's a bow. That, that's, right. That's, That's a peasant the, weapon. Exactly. So, I mean, the insult there, I mean, if you serve substandard ale to a dwarf, you know, especially being human, I bet you'd look at you yeah. and be like, you call this ale. I think I, I'd almost I'd almost risk the, the crappy ale. What's the worst they're going to do? Uh, yeah, yeah, true. You know, I, I think what I would do, want it. What, what I would do is I would rather... I'd rather tell off the Bretonian knight that he's better off with the bow and arrow, only because I would never serve a dwarf bad ale. I would serve him something poisonous. Oh. <laughs> so the question, because of that, the question steers me towards uh, yeah, telling the Bretonian knight to use a bow and arrow. <laughs> I see. Um, I, well, I wrote these questions. You think they'd be easier? I think I think you'd survive. I guess I think you'd survive the dwarf. I mean, they would spit it out. They would yell at you, but I don't think they would necessarily kill you. Whereas I think if you did that, if you questioned a knight's honor in that way, I think he would try to kill you. Um, so I would probably, although it's so shameful, serving I and mean, just handing a dwarf bad ale. That's, yeah, isn't that like central to their their culture? Oh, I mean, I know. I just I'm just thinking as, as much as I love the dwarfs, I would I would oh. And it's just not your regular everyday dwarf. This one's an irritable dwarf. They're, they're irritable to begin with. So to say that he's an irritable dwarf and s- discerning. Yeah. And you give him this. Yeah. There's a good chance you're going to get punched. Foul mood. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a good chance you're going to get. I think, I think you still, I don't think he would kill you over bad ale. I think he, I think you might take a punch in the nose and he would never come back to your bar. So I still think I would, I would, if, you know, worried about my life, I'd give him the ale. As opposed to having to have a have a duel with a knight you I've offended, although oh, deep in my heart oh, oh, I'd be so I'd be shamed for I'd have to shave my head. Yeah, there you go. If you just if you served your 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 brother dwarf uh, bad ale. Well, I'm assuming I'm still a human. If I was a dwarf, then the answer would be easy. <laughs> well, if we lived in the Warhammer world, David, you would be a dwarf. Okay, if I was a dwarf, then it would be obvious. I would insult the I would insult the knight because <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> couldn't care right. less. But as a human, I think it's it's safer to serve the ale. So, so, so you you would you pick the dwarf to preserve your life. I pick the dwarf to try to snuff out his life. <laughs> uh, hey, at least you said dwarf. <laughs> 
Dorf, Durf. I should say Durf. Or, or duh, if we want to further. Yeah, just uh, make the, yeah, just D. I got it. Yeah, I, I get it. I saw it on Twitter. <laughs> you guys are a holes. <laughs> so much fun. Uh, <laughs> so that's uh, would you rather, folks? Um, feel free to jump on our forums and let us know what you would rather, or jump on our forums if you know the identity or the film from which Danny Parker slash Tom Van Allen come from. And no fair using uh, using your Google foo. No, no internet, huh? What, can you give us a hint? Um, or give me a hint? It was, it's a drama, and uh, the main character um, liked to play jazz. Oh man, it's not a movie about a jazz musician, though. It's not like it's not like you're watching Bird or something like that, or it's not a movie about musicians. They Is it just... a black and white movie? No, it's not a black and white movie. It's made in the past. Uh, I'd say I believe it was in the past twenty years. Yeesh. Okay. I know you haven't seen it. You're never going to get this one. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to purposely find someone. You, I'm going to have to purposely find something that you might have seen, so at least it's fair for you. Right. Right. That's all I ask. Uh, maybe next time I'll pick it from like one of my favorite TV series that's no longer on. So it might be a little more of a chance. Okay. All right, uh, folks. Thanks for listening. Um, please get uh, some nice iTunes reviews. Are always are always nice. Uh, join the forums. The forums have been oh, growing. Uh, Fat Hammer is uh, Fat Hammer Four is in full effect. Yeah, hey, join up for Fat Hammer. Um, even if you need to lose only like like you joined up, Chris, you said you need to lose about fifteen pounds. Uh, uh yeah, seven or eight, ten, somewhere in there. Oh, okay. I thought it was. Yeah, okay. So, sorry. So Chris but, needs to lose ten pounds. I need to lose a hundred and fifty. So it doesn't matter where you're at on the scale. Um, you are more than welcome to join up. Um, people have asked about it. Uh, I know Dan Helan signed up. Mm-hmm. And some people were asking what the rules are. Guys, listen, this is not, uh, you know, all we ask is if you sign up that you're honest about your weight and you log in at once a week, every week. And I mean, if you're out of town or something, whatever. Right. But just because you have a bad week, don't don't skip logging in. I mean, we're not here to shame you. We're here it's to. Kind of a, yeah, group encouragement. Yeah. Slash accountability. In fact, I've, I've often gotten the most encouragement on weeks I've had that I've had bad weeks where I've gained and that encouragement is what keeps me going. Mm-hmm. Um, heck we've done three of these. We started it in, uh, end of November, beginning of December, 2012. And, uh, I went up and down, up and down, up and down and actually started this fourth fat hammer about four pounds heavier than when I started the first one. Um, but you know, we're all on there. We're all trying, we're all working it. Yep. And yep. that's, that's what you got to do. And, um, absolutely. it's, 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 Purely for encouragement um, and just to help people sort of have a place to go where you can get on there and complain and talk and it's like-minded people all trying to work together and help people. We've had several people jump on who aren't even on there really trying to lose weight, but they're really into fitness. Mm-hmm. And they're gamers who have jumped on and, and posted up things like actually sitting there and asking the hard questions of people saying, listen, if you don't want me to ask you this, I won't, but... Hmm. What are you doing? What are you trying? Try this. You know, I've lost, you know, I know it was Mark Sweetman, I think it was, is it? Uh, yeah, I think Sweetman Mike. Yeah, Mike Sweetman. He's a big nutrition and, and, and health health nut, I, which I didn't realize. Mm-hmm. Uh, I should have with his be a healthy geek as his, mm-hmm. you know, thing. But, uh, you know, he actually just 
said, hey, Dave, you should you know try this. Add this one thing. What are you doing to succeed? You know, what's your plan? Uh, we got a lot of guys jumping in this this particular iteration of it and saying, hey, guys, what's your plan? Set a goal. Uh, people who don't really need to lose that weight but have are now jumping on trying to help everybody else. So it's if you need to lose, like I do, uh, it's... And, it's, and me. Yeah, yeah, jump on it. Yeah. And, and join up. All right, Chris, um, good show. Ran longer than I expected. Um, that and Palm Partner. It's always fun to talk some Warhammer. Yeah, topics were, were running fun today. Yeah. I've enjoyed this one. I hope everyone else does, too. Absolutely. And it was we, fun. We'll be back with episode 103 in a few weeks. So thanks for listening, folks. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to Garage Hammer. If you like the show, we invite you to join the Garage Hammer community by joining our forums at garagehammer.net slash forum or our Facebook page, Garage Hammer Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter. Follow David at Garage Hammer and follow Chris at Topher Chris U. If you'd like to contact us, you can reach David through David at garagehammer.net. You can reach me, that's Chris, through Chris U at garagehammer.net. And you can reach both of us through garagehammer at live.com. If you want to help support Garagehammer, check the support page or the show store on our website, or leave us a positive review on iTunes. Until next time, thanks for listening.